I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. Like 77 WABC on Facebook. Rudy Giuliani here. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnels and Towers Foundation has been delivering on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes. Heroes who put their lives on the line to protect our country and our communities. Heroes like Bristol, Connecticut Police Sergeant Justin DeMonte. After responding to a domestic violent incident, he sustained fatal gunshot wounds. He left behind his expectant wife and two children. Thanks to the generosity of people like you, Tunnels and Towers paid the mortgage on the DeMonte family home, lifting a financial burden. As his loved ones mourned the decorated officer's loss, they welcomed a miracle, a child he would never get to meet. So many families need your help. Please help America's heroes and their young families join Tunnels and Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. 95 cents out of every dollar you donate goes to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnels and Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2. This Sunday, from noon to 2 p.m., he's one of America's most prominent political consultants, pollster, and pundit, a best-selling author, and he's been called the most influential private citizen in America by Time magazine. In politics, you're up, you're down, nothing is final or fatal. He's Dick Morris, and this Sunday, from noon to 1 p.m., The Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group, is on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. We are following breaking news. The Colorado Supreme Court has ruled that former President Donald Trump will be left off the state's primary and presidential ballots. The former president could appeal it to the U.S. Supreme Court and almost certainly will. Trump's candidacy was challenged by invoking the 14th Amendment's disqualification clause. It states that anyone engaging in insurrection cannot hold well, he didn't do that. office. That, of course, refers to his actions on and before January 6th. It's no wonder Crooked Joe Biden and the far-left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. 
They're weaponizing law enforcement for high-level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. I do not believe Donald Trump should be prevented from being president of the United States by any court. I think he should be prevented from being president of the United States by the voters of this country. That's what I think. And I and and, and I don't and, and I don't believe that it's good for our country if he's precluded from the ballot um, by a court. Like it's bad for the country if that happens. Now, the other reason I believe that is because, you know, he will have had to incite insurrection, be a part of an insurrection, for him to be excluded. There's been no trial of him on that. I pledge to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot unless and until Trump's name is restored. And I demand that Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie and Nikki Haley do the same thing, or else these Republicans are simply complicit in this unconstitutional attack on the way we conduct our constitutional republic. Governor Hochul says it is time for New Yorkers to face the conversation about the state's history with slavery. She signed legislation creating a committee to consider reparations for slavery. Oh, like shut the up. Wrongs of the past. Governor Hochul signed a bill Tuesday authorizing the creation of a community commission that will study the history of slavery in New York State and what reparations could look like. The names of more than 170 associates of Jeffrey Epstein will be revealed in two weeks' time after a New York judge ordered the unsealing of court documents. The documents are set to be released as part of a settled civil lawsuit alleging Epstein's associate, Ghislaine Maxwell, facilitated the sexual abuse of Virginia Dufre. Mr Epstein committed suicide in prison in 2019 while awaiting trial on federal sex trafficking charges. A year of progress. Certainly when compared to 2022. That's how the NYPD's chief of transit, Michael Kemper, described the latest subway statistics out of 2023. Stats that show overall crime inside the city's trains is down. Kemper says it's because of the proactive work transit officers have started employing this year, like issuing 164,000 summons, a 50% increase, and making 12,000 arrests, a 55% increase. But he admits there is a 10% increase in index crimes. That means burglary, robbery, and assault. The stats are driven by a 17% increase in grand larceny or property theft without force. That means there's more pickpockets on the trains, silently stealing while passengers are sleeping. Small improvements starting to say. I don't still feel 100% safe just by nature of what's going on in the city. And there's still homeless and random acts of violence that happen. This morning, I got off of 86th Street in Lexington, and there were human feces on the stairs. I mean, there's people sleeping on the trains. Uh, they smell. I've been in New York for 35 years, and this is the worst I've seen. To my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets 
Fogelberg, same old Lang Syne, fresh off that clip. From what most people believe, including my late great partner, Bernard McGurk, it's the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Jimmy Stewart, a wonderful life. Yeah, folks, we're about there now, five days away from Christmas 2023, less than two weeks away now from the official start of 2024. So a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We are down to three, the Sid Rosenberg Show, down to three shows, Sid and Friends, before we call it quits. We'll do this show, obviously, today. we got a great show planned. And two more great shows coming up tomorrow and Friday. And then uh, I won't talk to you again until January 2nd of 2024. The Rosenberg household is full. My daughter Ava came home from London last night. You know, I got a a message yesterday. And uh, there's a guy named Keith Smolin. He's a wonderful guy. He's been a big fan of mine, dating back 20-plus years at WFAN. Even listen to me down in Florida, where I did great shows. And he started this website years ago with me and Bernie, and it was called the Bernie and Sid fan page, and since Bernie passed, it's now the Sid and Friends fan page on Facebook. And I guess some losers, I've never been to this page, swear to God on my father's memory, never been there. Some losers started this page, Sid is a moron, and and they took basically the picture from Sid and Friends fan page, and, you know, this show has hundreds and hundreds of thousands, that's a fact, hundreds of thousands of listeners. And there's about 150 assholes in this town that wake up every morning and they're so miserable in their own pathetic lives that they just hate on me, which is great. I don't care if you're Howard Stern or Don Imus or Rush Limbaugh, any of the, of the radio greats, Bob Grant, any of the radio greats, which at this point, whether you like it or not, I am. Sorry. Have that. You know, Stern doesn't even go on social media anymore. Because all he got was hammered on Twitter. Yet, yet, he's had more listeners and had made more money than anybody in the history of this business. So what these folks don't understand is it's a badge of honor. They're not upsetting me. I've never been to the page. I, couldn't even, I wouldn't even know how to become a member, nor would I want to be. But for some reason, one of my listeners sent me a direct message on Instagram yesterday. And I compel all you guys to follow me on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. And Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, I do not tweet or X. I don't do it. 
So the only two places you can find me are Instagram and Facebook. And for some reason, some listeners, if I care, was telling me that, you know, they're hammering you on this page. Okay, great, that's every day. And uh, they're even making fun of your daughter. And that's where I got a little pissed, I'm not going to lie. So, now again, you're a bunch of nameless, faceless cowards. Not one of you, not one of you would have the guts to say to my face what you say on that page because it would take me about 30 seconds to lay you out. But just so you guys know, you can say whatever you want about me, the show, I don't care. Bernie was better, all that nonsense, complete nonsense. Now, I can tell you this, and I love my partner, and I miss him. Nobody could do with this show what I've done. Nobody. Not even Imus or Stern. Nobody. Nobody. But when you start to attack my family, then you better hope to God you're not right in front of my face. And I don't, I'm not a tough guy. I'm a nice Jewish guy with kids. But I promise you, I swear to you, if I find out who you are and I see you, I will lay you out. And I can. Trust me. Whoever you are, you fat, stupid losers on that page. I'm going to bet my whole year's salary that you wouldn't last 30 seconds with me. So just keep that in mind, okay? You can say whatever you want about me. I don't care. I mean, nothing to me. Odds are I'm better looking, got a prettier wife, better family, more opportunities. Certainly more people love me, make a lot more money. It doesn't matter to me. Your life is pathetic. But don't don't talk about my wife or my kids. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because I will have people go onto that page, find out who you are, where you are, and if it sounds like a threat, maybe it is. So Merry Christmas. Indeed. Well they of course that's they're trying well, yeah, to push the needle of you and well, that's they did that's it, so. what they did. Yeah, so. Right. They did it. You mess with my daughter, you say something about my family, I'm gonna find out who you are. It's, it's yeah. And if you don't think I can ruin you, <laughs> then you're even dumber than your post on that stupid page. I will ruin you. I will do whatever I have to do. I'll lose this job. I don't care. I don't care. Don't F with my family. Don't do it. Don't F with my president either and tell me that in Colorado you can't vote for President Trump. What is going on with this country? I mean, all kidding aside, there are two stories in this open today, two, that want to make me leave. But I say this every day. I know that. But there are two today that are really tough to swallow. Trump being left off the ballot in Colorado. Now, that doesn't matter. He wasn't going to win Colorado anyway, and he'll appeal it. But it does matter. It's the largest story at play here, that all of a sudden the Constitution doesn't matter, that these Democrats... These lowlifes, like the people on that page, they don't care about the Constitution. What they're doing to Donald Trump should not even be legal. It's grotesque. And then this governor, this white pandering governor, talking about reparations. Man, I'm so sick of it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that black people went through what they went through hundreds of years ago. Hundreds. Hundreds. LeBron James is doing just fine. Barack Obama, he's doing just fine. How many other ethnicities, religious groups have been persecuted over the years that are not looking for money? 
Then you want to know why certain people have a chip on their shoulder and expect to be given everything up front. No reparations. Should never happen, not in a million years. Just about every religious and ethnic group out there has been persecuted. The Jewish people, my God, we just got massacred in a different country, I get it, just got massacred two months ago. Stop already. It's enough. An ugly, ugly part of this country's history. I'm the first to say it. Ugly. And thank God, although things are not perfect today, there certainly is still racism on both sides. Sorry, Joy Reid, but plenty of black people are racist, including you. Including you. Stupid. But yes, there is still plenty of racism directed at black people, and it's not right. It's not right. But we've come a long way, a long way. In just 50 years, a long way. What makes you think reparations are going to make things better? It'll just make things worse. And then, again, you need to go through every religious group, every ethnic group, and make sure they're taken care of also. I'm tired of it. Pro-Palestinians, reparations. Where the F do we live No, black people, you don't deserve money today for what you went through hundreds of years ago. You just don't. They didn't. No, I know that. (laughs) I know that. It's stupid. So what what are they getting? What I don't understand. And listen, there is still plenty (laughs) plenty of black people that believe this is good. Eric Adams, Jumani Williams, Jumani Williams believes wholeheartedly in reparations. Well, he's, he's just a, he's grotesque too, my God, but public advocate, Jamani Williams. Jeez, I'm sick and tired of hearing he's got Tourette's. I don't care. God bless him. A lot of folks have disabilities, but they're decent people. Jamani Williams, <laughs> give me a break. Those two stories are just, it's a depressing way to start your Christmas. Donald Trump left off the ballot in Colorado because people don't like him? And reparations for disgusting, yes, disgusting crimes that happened hundreds of years ago? Are you nuts? What are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? So when I play Jimmy Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life, and Dan Fogelberg, same old Lang Syne, and we head into this, well, we're in the holiday season, but into these holidays, Monday, Christmas, and the following Monday, 2024, my message to folks who don't necessarily agree with my policies, my philosophies, What I live by is find a way, find a way to take your head out of your ass this year. And let's return America and this world to the principles we had not that long ago when, believe it or not, 
believe it or not, the world was a better place. Curtis Sliwa, Steve Bannon, Ron Duguay, Peter King, Alan Dershowitz, more. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I'm Mr. Green Christmas. I'm Mr. Sun. He's Mr. Green Christmas, he's Mr. Sun, he's Mr. Heat Blister, he's Mr. 101. They call me Heat Miser, whatever I touch, starts to melt in my blood. I'm too much. Uh, heat miser, freeze miser, Mother Nature, all those uh, claymation shows, and I love them all. Santa Claus is coming to town with the great Meister Burger, Burger Meister. But this one right here, you can keep playing this, Lewis. This is the year without Santa Claus, and in Sid Rosenberg's opinion, the greatest claymation animation Christmas special of all. Take it away, Freeze Miser! Heat Miser, the brother of Freeze Miser. <laughs> well, tonight is the big Christmas party right here at WABC, and as I said uh, last week more than once, hope everybody's listening. As I said more than once last week, it's a great party. Great. <laughs> I had a blast last year. I really did. It was fun. Did a whole bunch of karaoke songs with Cats and Chad and 
Margot's up there singing. She was terrific. And Emily. And I think the MVP last year was uh, Macedonia Phil. I really do. And at the time, he was still on this show before they just yanked him. <laughs> For no reason, they just yanked him. That's maybe, fine. Maybe it was the party. I guess. So we, um, we're going to do it again tonight. Now, I won't be there because my son desperately wanted to see the Knicks play the Nets at Barclays. And my dear friend Anthony Carone made sure that was going to happen. And this was like two months ago, way before they told me about the Christmas party date. So I can't make it tonight, but who cares? The party will be fine. Well, who, am I? who am I? I'm one guy. So um, Lewis is coming tonight, and Noam is coming tonight, and Justin is coming tonight, and it's going to be great. Lou, you're going back to Queens and coming back here? I actually don't know what I'm going to do today now. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Maybe I'll call Brant up and we'll drive around <laughs> in his car for a while. <laughs> look for stuff Everybody loved that interview yesterday with former Imus limo driver Brant Eaton. Not a bad idea. No. I thought you were getting a hotel room tonight or something. Or that's that, uh, That's the next night. That's Thursday night. Yeah, which is tomorrow. Tomorrow night. That's when you and I go to Stevie Van Zandt's policeman's ball. If I haven't been arrested, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That's a possibility. Yeah. So there's a chance you're not coming tonight. There's a chance of anything. Right. You're not coming. Uh, Noam, you're going back to Jersey City, then coming here, yes? Yeah, I mean, it's a closer commute for me. I could just race home and then come back. Yeah. Will you let your hair down? I mean, you're bald like I yeah, am. But right. Will you let your hair down tonight and just have a really good time? Are you are you, are you a guarded guy at Christmas parties? Yeah, you know, I'm that guy. Yeah, I, I'm not going to drink anything, you know. Is that true? Yeah. Do you drink if you're at a party with your family? Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't do it here? No, because, you know, I can't control myself. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I just <laughs> like yeah. to know everybody's vulnerabilities. You know, these parties, the parties. Uh, all these years, they're awful. And the reason why I like this party at WABC last year is because it was a throwback. I mean, we used to go to Christmas parties. God, I remember, you know, but this is after even Stern and Imus used to go to the same party. That's That was a while ago, but that actually did happen. But even after that, uh, the FAM would have these Christmas parties. At this bar at uh, some hotel in Long Island City. Right, and most of the time not on a Friday. No, not on a Friday. Right. Once they did that. And I remember the guy that ran the whole thing was a guy named Rosenberg. No relation. Maybe Brian Rosenberg. And it was a it was a cool place. And I remember one year specifically, me, Lewis, and Janice Dean, now a big star at Fox News, got so polluted it was a God, it was it was a great time. It was. That was a good place. Yeah, and it was like, that's what the party's supposed to be, you <laughs> know? Watch fest, yeah. Right, you're supposed to have sex with one of the secretaries on the Xerox machine. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to get hammered. And then, like the last, I don't know, couple of decades, we started having these kind of sanitized Christmas parties. Hey, let's sit around and talk. Are you nuts? <laughs> First of all, let's be completely honest. Most people don't like anybody they work with. Now, thank God, and I'll give John and Margo credit for this and Chad, the environment here is pretty good, and most of us really do like each other. And I mean that. If you know, you know me, folks, if I didn't, and I have said on this show many times to the chagrin of program directors and ownership, if I think you're a dick, I'm going to say it. <laughs> but the truth is, we've got a pretty nice kumbaya staff here. So when we get together... It happens to be a very, very good time. But most places, people can't stand each other. 
and the only way to get through the night is to get drunk. It's one way. Yeah. But um, this is a throwback here. They do a very, very good job, and I wish I was coming tonight. But you guys will represent me and not embarrass me or the show now, will you? I we'll do cannot best, promise no. anything of the sort. See, I don't I drink anymore, no so now I come off like a real like a real good guy. You know, There was a time when Lou would have to literally pick me up off the floor <laughs> or out of the bathroom stall. Yeah, it was holiday time. you got to do what you can for people. Yeah, but now I don't do that type of stuff, so yeah. everybody else gets drunk around me. I adjust. And then I uh, wake up the next morning feeling pretty good, and you guys all feel awful, and I love that. So There's a mi- maybe a minute or two during the party when I'm a little jealous, and then uh, the rest of the night, you you know, you get worse and worse. But then the next day, you feel like hell, and then I'm happy I don't drink anymore. But it was a couple of minutes, at least. To, you know, that first shot is always great, you know. The first drink. The first drink. Yeah. Like yeah. that first line of cocaine. It's all good. And then you spend the next three days wanting to kill yourself. But most people don't play the whole tape. You know, it's just, hey, this is great. This is great. Look look how much fun I'm having. And then an hour later, you look like a moron. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, we'll avoid that There's... part. I sat there last year, me and Danielle, at this party with Pete Morgan and his wife, Maureen. And we made fun of everybody. Everybody. And that's a party. <laughs> and the three of them were drinking like uh, tomorrow there'll be no more liquor left in the country. That's it. They're shutting it down. Back to prohibition. prohibition. Yeah. If you open the refrigerator, you might believe there's no more alcohol left in the country well, right well, they, now. All these parties here, they <laughs> oh, drink. Okay, you know, that is good. so that, much that, booze uh, in there. Joe Piscopo, and, and I do want to send, I, I sent them a text, but I do want to send on the air my condolences to my friend Joe. He lost his mom, 99 years old. God rest her soul. And he's a lovely guy, Joe Piscopo. Great guy. Well, and, she, had, she had so much more to go. I, well, I know. Right? My, like she... my mother said, very young lady, <laughs> young woman. But it doesn't matter when your parent dies, it, whether they're 99 or 49. It's a horrible thing. And my heart goes out to Joe. And Joe's a terrific guy. He really is. Condolences to yes. Joe. Yes. So he has, uh, they put a party on for him every year. Here was, in fact, it was just last Sunday. It's usually right about the time of the Christmas party. And everybody gets whacked. Really? I mean, Crazy. whacked. Yeah. Last year, I'm going to leave his name out of it, Chad, but they dropped a cake. <laughs> well. But that's a party, folks. It's okay. It's a party. When it's supposed to happen. Right. Let's get back to those days, okay? <laughs> Let's get drunk at Christmas parties. Let's stop talking about reparations. Let's let our president run if, in fact, the people in that city, state, or country want him to. Let's do that. Let's give that a shot, okay? What am I going to talk about tonight if it's not reparations? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I need something. Yeah. You think that'll come up at the Christmas party? <laughs> not if I get to that refrigerator that Dome no. just talked about. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's there's a sign on the refrigerator that says, do not, do not. touch. Yeah, I saw Like, that. people are going to start yeah. drinking before <laughs> yeah. this morning. They forgot huh? I took English as a second language. I don't know what the hell that says. <laughs> just do not oh, touch. boy. Really. Uh, hello, elephant. Do not touch these peanuts. <laughs> Folks, it is Wednesday. That means it's time now for my weekly Tunnel to Towers update. My dear friend, the CEO. Oh, Frank Siller, what a terrific guy. Really is. Christmas just days away now, to be exact, five. And the foundation continues to deliver hope to America's heroes and their families on this Christmas. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is delivering on its commitment to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes during their annual season of hope. 
During Season of Hope, Tunnel to Towers pays off dozens of mortgages for fallen first responder families, gold star families, and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders. One family who received a mortgage payoff during the Season of Hope is the family of Pennsylvania State Trooper Brandon Siska. Trooper Siska perished when a drunk driver fatally struck both him and his partner while they were making an arrest on I-95. He survived by his beautiful wife, Brittany, and their daughter, Bryn. Paying off the Siska's mortgage in full relieve them of a significant financial burden just ahead of the holidays. Your support is crucial in ensuring families like the Siskas can have the support and peace of mind that they deserve. Visit T2T.org today and donate just $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. That's T, the number 2T.org. That's right, folks. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTechList.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Starting on the ice, we were treated to a triple header last night in Toronto. Mika Zibanejad scored twice and Igor Shosturkin made 31 saves as the Rangers defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs. Come on, baby. Yeah, man. Another win for the hockey Rangers. Yeah, they're rolling. Best team in the East. We're going uh, Saturday night thanks to Joseph Takapina, me and Gaby. To watch the Rangers host the Buffalo Sabres. Mm-hmm. Very excited. And they bounce back from these losses really well. They'll lose and then they'll come back the next day. And then they uh, just win next, big. Next couple and win a win, uh, big couple games in a row. They're about to get uh, four guys in double-digit goals. I know that uh, Panarin is there. Kreider yeah. is there. I think Zabinijad is there. Yeah. And then there's somebody on the team who's uh, one behind with nine goals. I forget who it is. Trocek, maybe? Maybe it's Trocek. No, Trojic is second on the team in scoring, but not when it, uh, it's... Um, Willie Cooley. Well, I don't know. Who it, is. it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But they are just playing tremendous hockey. And by the way, with that win last night, they've now moved one point ahead of the Boston Bruins, the top spot in the Eastern Conference, and once a 40-goal scorer all the way back in 1977, a legitimate Ranger great. Number 10, Ron Duguay, will join me coming up at 8.15 this morning. Well, Where? Great. As an Islander fan, I would like some reparations if they go to win the cup. <laughs> no, 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 buddy. You yeah. won uh, four cups back then. Oh, us the, Ranger fans yeah. need the reparations. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see. When was and the you beat team? us every year in those playoffs, oh, every year. Yeah. When was the last team that won four in a row? Oh, forgot. Here we won. go again. Who's this? Oh, no, Edmonton. Never mind. Never mind. All right. No, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> On the ice out in Newark, the Devils lost a nail-biter in overtime to the visiting Philadelphia Flyers. They're rolling, too. The Flyers uh, final score there, 3-2. to two. And finally, out in Elmont, Anders Lee and Bo Horvath uh, scored power play goals. And the Islanders beat the visiting Edmonton Oilers 3-1. to They'll be right back at it tonight in Washington to face off with the Caps at 7.30. In basketball, local teams had a collective night off last night. But both will be back on the court tonight and against each other with the Knicks and the Nets getting set to go head-to-head at the Barclays Center. You'll be we'll there. be there, too. Yeah. yeah. We are going tonight. Me, in fact, all four of us. Danielle, Sydney, Ava, and Gabriel. Wow. Going to watch the Nets host the Knicks in Brooklyn tonight. Corey Zellner cooked that up? What's that? Did Corey Zellner cook that up? That, no, that was uh, Anthony Carone. Oh, how about Corey uh, hooks us up at the Garden. Right, okay, Corey, gotcha. Corey, right, right, Dr. Right, right, Mark right, right, right. Siegel, Bill O'Reilly. Right. 
and uh, Carone does Brooklyn. How about that? There you have it. All right, that'll be fun. Looking, you got to be looking forward to that. Super. And fi- <laughs> yeah, and finally, news regarding the uh, New York Jets yesterday afternoon, and specifically quarterback Aaron Rodgers. We've been waiting for this. Uh, I, I kind of saw a comment. I don't know about anybody else, but they he finally indicated that he won't play again this season. Oh, now no. that the yeah, oh, it's such a shame. Now that the Jets are uh, eliminated from playoff contention. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan at Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTechlist.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Alicon, 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. once again showing why he's the best ever listen to me carefully Lou Rufino is the best ever so yesterday one of the stories we covered is my friend the mayor every time Curtis Lewa mentions Eric Adams for some reason he feels this compulsion to preface his name by saying my friend and that's fine because he is my friend I saw Eric Adams just last week at Paul DiGiacomo's DEA Christmas party, Detective Endowment Agency. You know what I met at that party? I met a woman named Mrs. Lou. Lovely lady. Asian, obviously. And her husband was one of the two cops that were assassinated in Bedford-Stuyvesant. Remember that crazy guy came from Baltimore and... Shot those two cops dead right in that patrol car. I think it was right by Myrtle Avenue. And then the low-life mayor, Bill de Blasio, laying on the Brooklyn Bridge and yelling and screaming about the police. And these two poor men were assassinated. And I met his wife at the party last week. But what's ironic about that is, is today, December the 20th, and thank you to Joe Salomeno for this. Today, December the 20th, is the actual day where those two cops were assassinated. It was nine years ago today. But I did see Eric Adams, and Danielle was there too last week, and he was very nice, very nice. I'll say it again, risk of repetition. The man, Eric Adams, I like him. I like him. The mayor, Eric Adams, Leaves a lot to be desired. That's saying it nicely. So yesterday I played this about ten times. He's on WPIX locally channel eleven two days ago, and one of their anchors 
is asking the mayor to basically give us a 2023 year in review and why New York is still great. And Eric Adams gave one of the dumbest and really painful answers ever found a way 22 years later to include the most tragic day, tragic, including Pearl Harbor, in the history of this country in his answer. And there's no defending that. It was just tone deaf and stupid. If you missed it, here it was. This is uh, cut number four. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? (laughs) So when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be and tell me why? Uh, New York. Two words. Uh, This is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, This is a very, very complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. Okay. What makes a city great? You can witness a plane crashing into a building. Now, I know what he meant. How many times I said about Trump, I know what he meant? I know what Eric meant. He meant 22 years later, we're united. By the way, he's wrong. Even if he meant that, even if his heart was in the right place, and he meant to say 22 years later, we're still united, he's even wrong about that. Stupid. There's more divide in this city on every level than I can ever remember, ever. But let's just say that's what he meant. But he didn't say it. He didn't say it. He left it out there. He went basically from planes flying into buildings and 3,000 people dying in lower Manhattan to, oh, look how pretty the Rockefeller Christmas tree is this year. That's what he did. What he meant and what he did, those are two different things. So you know yesterday he's going to have to answer for that. And all he had to do, all he had to do was say, come on, guys, you know what I meant. Yes, I screwed up. Hey, how about that? I've done that. I've done that a million times. I don't blame anybody else for rehabs, jails, losing jobs. I don't blame other people. I don't blame other races. I don't blame something happened to me when I was four, which didn't. I don't blame my parents, my wife. I blame Sid Rosenberg. It's okay. All Eric Adams had to do was say, you know, God, you know what I meant. I screwed up. I was pressed for time. I did not finish my statement. What I meant to say was we're back. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. So given the opportunity yesterday to do it like I just did it, He effed up again. He effed up again. And this is why when Curtis Sliwa runs roughshod on Eric and in my my heart, I am dying to protect him and dying to defend him. I can't do it. I can't because given the opportunity to come off like a person, he still acted like a dick. Here was his answer, Eric Adams, cut number five. The sentence police 
that sit in front of the TV and say, let's wait to see Eric make one sentence that we can turn into a front page. Listen, you're going to find many of them because I'm authentic and I'm going to talk the way New Yorkers talk. And I think it's an insult as someone who served during 9-11, served during 9-11. I didn't read about it. I didn't hear about it. I lost very dear friends and colleagues. We I've did. said it over and over again, the resiliency, the complexities of our city. 9-11 was a devastating time. I still remember getting calls of my loved ones and friends and colleagues that I lost. Sure. Those who take my comments in good faith are not going to try to turn them around and all of a sudden say, you are trying to desecrate the 9-11. Listen. Those who have those evil feelings in their heart is going to take it that way. People knew what I was saying. The city is complex. And much of the complexity, believe it or not, you guys don't even know about. Know about. You don't deal with what I deal with every day in this city all day. You you cannot you hold on, we don't we don't cut each other off. We we you cannot imagine how complex this city is I mean, it can every be day that this team has to respond to. And so that is what I was saying. Yeah. Those who those who understand, yeah. Yeah. you know, understand. the way I communicate, well, yeah. sure. um, they know. It uh, shut up! Shut up! Shut up! So I know Menashe Shapiro <laughs> is listening right now. Menashe is a dear friend. I'm going to see him in fact Tuesday night for our regular monthly guys dinner. My guys Keith Kanchowitz and Anthony Carone and Mike Kemper, who I love. Menashe, will you talk to him? Frank Carone, my buddy Frank, will you talk to him? Given the opportunity to come off human yesterday, once again, the mayor comes off like an arrogant son of a bitch. Don't tell me you know what I meant and, and then get mad at me because I'm sitting there watching TV waiting for you to F up. By the way, if you didn't F up, we have nothing to talk about. You ever notice that? Guys like Joe Biden, Eric Adams, they blame us. You effed up. You effed up. Look, Jack, you you know what I meant. Jack, yeah, you know you. Yeah. I mean, was it horrible? No. Did you walk into a room with a gun and kill people? No, you didn't do that. You didn't do that. But when you're the mayor of New York City, you don't bring up that day unless, God forbid, there is something analogous. A terrorist attack in New York City. Fine, bring up nine eleven. But then you get mad like we did something wrong. What's great about this city? Planes crashing into buildings? And then no follow-up? And it's our fault? Are you nuts? <laughs> it's because you're part of the sentence I'm police. Evil. You're part of the sentence police. Yeah. Sentence police. That's we got to get badges that say that. <laughs> we don't get each other off here. Every now and then, I, I, I swear to God I mean this. Every now and then, I wish I'm as much still alive. Because I would love to hear his commentary this morning. I really would. It's not going to be better than mine, but it'll be different. Well, first of all, we don't have enough oxygen tanks to get his commentary. <laughs> I know so that, but, but he would just go nuts because he had no patience. Say what you want about the I man. He was a, he was a, he was nasty. He wasn't a very nice person. Charles, what else? <laughs> yeah. But his commentary was great, and he had no patience, none. For stupidity. None. Gets Zero. It Gets it in here. Gets it in here. All right. Get his So I'm sure Curtis will have more to say, elaborate on the mayor's 
I guess apology. I was, was what, what, what was that yesterday? Was it an apology? What would you call that? You don't understand <laughs> yeah, the, I guess compl- I don't. the complexities <laughs> of a press conference. <laughs> we got a big 7 o'clock hour to come your way. I was back on television last night, not Newsmax, not Fox News, but I've got the audio and two great guests, Curtis Sliwa and my new best buddy, Steve Bannon. Huge 7 o'clock hour about to come your way. Keep it right here. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Oh, baby, it's a Wednesday morning, not a Monday night. You are looking live at a sold-out Giants stadium. And today, the football Giants, led by that guy, him, number 11, Phil Sim, set to take on Ron Jaworski, the Polish rifle, and the Philadelphia Eagle. Monday Night Football, right here on Channel 7, WABC. I'm not sure why we're playing football music. I know Wait, that. Wait, you mentioned that's music to my ears. Yeah, Roger so Warsey, the Polish rifle from Youngstown State. I love Youngstown next to Warren. Remember who was I talking about, Youngstown and Warren, with your very dear friend who we both thought was Jewish was listening. Bernie Kozar. He's actually coming into town because, uh, of course, he won a championship at Miami. Yes. Him and Howard Schnellenberger defeated... Turner Gill, Mike Rogier, Irving Fryer, and Nebraska. Oh, wait, wait, Mark Rogier. New yes. Jersey, New Jersey, right? He got shot in the stomach in Camden, New Jersey. Oh, oh, yeah. oh God, you make, yeah, you're right. He actually, he won the Heisman Trophy, and he got drafted by the Pittsburgh Maulers of the USFL for three straight years. Yes, yes. The Heisman Trophy Award winner yes. went to the USFL, and New Jersey, the Generals, drafted two of those guys. Herschel Walker out of Georgia and Doug Flutie out of Boston College. And who owned the Jersey Generals? Uh, Donald Trump. Oh, by the that way, didn't correct. he end up playing for the Toronto Argonauts who? in the Canadian Football League? Mike, Mark Rogier. Yes, he played there also. See, uh, see, thank you. As did Joe Theismann. He oh, got oh, drafted wait. by the Miami wait, Dolphins. He went to Toronto instead. Then, of course, won a Super Bowl with the Redskins. Now now I got you out of being the Grinch that <laughs> yeah. stole Christmas. I had to do something to shake. Well, oh, my listen, God. Uh, there's not th- a third thing I'm adding to this. Oh, here we go. Not only is the reparations thing really grotesque, and, again, you better make sure you take care of every ethnicity, every religious group that has been persecuted over the years. Sorry. Not only am I sick about what's happening to my friend Trump in Colorado, but what is this? Another policy, which Eric Adams is good with, which Jumani Williams is good with. Oh, no. 
but they proposed to the city council that is anti-cop. Wait a second. How many stops? Excuse me. You who ran a few plays for Polly Prep while that perv coach was pulling your chain, (laughs) and then your parents rightfully decided, let's get him out of there, man. It's like Sid is loving this coach too much. No, 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 no. Let's send him to a Let's make him a booker boy where they don't play football because they won't touch pink skin. It's a shanda. But anyway, how dare you defy the quarterback in the huddle? So when you are on the field and you're moving the ball down the field and you're getting sacked continuously, but yet you're able to get up and go back to the huddle and call another play to move that ball down the field. It is easy. That's why that term Monday morning quarterback is about. It's easy to be detached and say, why didn't you do X and X? I'm on the field. I'm getting sacked. <laughs> this, team, this team is the offense and defensive line. We've moved the ball down the field better than any municipality in this country. So wow. now we, we have three <laughs> losing quarterbacks, <laughs> oh right? Giants, Jets, and then City Hall. Yeah, I mean, again, this, um, well, we know what's going on in this city with the illegals and the crime and Michael Kemper. I love him running the subway, but he can't do anything about it. And again, this, how many stops? Hold on. I mean, is that not anything? I know, I know you're, I, I'm trying to shake you for yeah. a second. Yeah. Let me get you back to your sports roots. You and Joe Benigno and everybody else over at the old fan that I used to listen to religiously. Did you hear what the former Steeler Rashad Mendenhall said? He said, hey, you white guys, how can you be commenting on football? You guys suck playing football. In fact, there should be a black bowl and a white bowl, and nobody would go to see the white bowl. They'd all come to see the brothers. So why do white guys end up commenting about what the brothers do on the gridiron? I did hear him say that. Maybe he's heard of Tom Brady, white guy who's won seven Super Bowls. It was uh, stupid. It was racist. Somehow, though, you're going to take uh, the former Steeler Mendenhall's comments and analogize that to something that Eric Adams said. Now, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, you see. Because what does Eric Adams say to the press corps in City Hall? You have no right to judge me unless you walk in my skin, a Uriel Asiatic black man. And actually, the white, McWhitey, whitey press corps in room, they, ooh, ooh, he's bullying us, he's intimidating us. But I have a feeling you and Joe Benigno would not be intimidated <laughs> at no, all. No, right. no, not Based at all. on your opening comments about somebody posting about your family, you were like ready to go out, break his leg and stuff I it still in his am. pocket. I still am. God forbid I find out who you are. I'm telling you, this is a threat. You post something about my wife, my daughter, or my son, I'm going to find speaking you. And I'm your, going to hurt you. Speaking of your wife, right, Danielle, she's now on my side. You are a tough Jew. There's no doubt about it, Sid. You are the new King David. And let's give props to Jerry Seinfeld, who went over to Israel. Uh, your friend Michael Rappaport, who says that me, uh, Gentiles, we don't have a right to call somebody a Jew or Jews. But he's over there, too. He's Jewish, too, you know. Yes, at a kibbutz, although he looks Irish. He's at a kibbutz. <laughs> but Jerry Seinfeld, it doesn't get bigger than him, right? I mean, it no. doesn't get bigger than him. He's over there in Israel. I ask you again, because you're giving him... 
special privilege and coverage. Where is Mr. Hanukkah song Adam Sandler, you know, made $200 million playing the character Zohan, the greatest Israeli defense force member in the history of the state of Israel since 1948, who came over here to wear light loafers and become a hairstylist (laughs) and snack on a Palestinian woman. Where is he? I don't know, but I can tell you this. You mentioned Danielle a couple of moments ago, and it's gotten so bad in my house that oftentimes we'll discuss the news of the day. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Danielle, unprovoked, brings up Curtis a lot. So the other day, we finished the last night of Hanukkah, and we finished the eighth and final candle. And I said, after we're done with the brachas, we should play Adam Sandler. Oh, no. And Danielle goes, I swear to God, listen, you know I love Sandler. She loves Howard Stern. He's on Howard all the time. She goes, but I got to tell you, Curtis has a point. Oh, no, no, please, I'm begging you. Curtis has a point. Where has he been? And so now you have contaminated everybody in my house. And now the man with the biggest tongue in existence who is proud to say, I'm not just a Jew, I'm an Israeli Jew. Oh, the great Gene Simmons. Yeah, where's he been on this, right? From Haifa. You're Come right. on now. You're right. Come on. Jews need to put pressure on their fellow Jews because, you know what, Gentiles will say, hey, where's Adam Sandler? Where's Gene Simmons? And you're getting on my case because I got the shmata on my head, the green shmata, <laughs> yeah. and the kafia around my neck. Well, you're right. And it was bigger Jerry Seinfeld to do what he did. And it's nice to see somebody who's uh, so relevant uh, in the world today to do something like that because, to be honest, I'm getting tired. There's just so much that I can do. I mean, every day on well, this show, four hours doing do. TV there's shows. I mean, come do. on, Curtis. You're going to have the stallion, the Canadian stallion coming on, Ron Duguay, who refused to wear the helmet. And I want you to put the question to him. Why did he bogart my favorite ranger of all time, Gump Worsley, as the face of the New York Rangers? Remember Ron Duguay? Yes. He was fornicating and copulating with Cher and every drop-dead gorgeous woman well, in New York. He, he was at Studio 54, and don't forget all those Sassoon and Jordache commercials. But he refused, Ron Duguay. He refused to wear the helmet because of his hair. <laughs> right. And to Peter King, you better put the question to him. Peter, because you're Mr. Republican, Democrats are a dreck, right? Our lives. Yes. How the hell do they have a Democrat, Mazzie, she's running against Swaggart? She's not a Democrat. Yes, she is. No, she's not going to caucus. She's not going to caucus with the Democrats. Well, well, not, uh, well oh, 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 now all of a sudden, Hold exceptions. A Here's Mr. Democrats, a dreck, but we're going to make a special exception yes. for Mazzie. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. It's kind of like me with Trump. It was easy when you loved Trump and he went down the escalator to continue to love him like Bernie did. And it was easy when he went down the escalator and you hated him to continue to hate him. But I was the guy who hated him, and now he loves me desperately. Same thing here. What are you? Uh, Hiken, are, are, you are you a registered Democrat? No, but Dove Hyken. Oh, 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 but oh, oh, hold oh, oh. on. Dove Hyken registered. He changed. Dove Hyken changed. Tulsi Gabbard changed. Mazzie hasn't changed her registration Why? yet. Why? But she changed. Why? Because they believe in the right values. Get out of here. Yes. You, you are refusing to ask the question that Republicans are asking for the consigliere of the Nassau County GOP, who upon the announcement was dressed Fine, all I'll in ask black him. by I'll a hitman. 
That's I'll ask a question. Him. Margaret Powers sent me that question, uh, Paul King's a wife. A lot. A lot a of lot. Republicans. So I'm going I'm to ask Peter King that today. Here's what hees going to say. Yes. I'll tell you already. Yes. Because Mike Lawler's answered this already. So is Joe Cairo. Yes, she was a registered Democrat. She is a registered Democrat. Correct. Clearly, she has seen the light come to the same conclusion I have, which is Democrats are lowlifes. She's now changed her philosophy and policy to Republican, and it's just a matter of time before she registers as a Republican. Where are my hip-hugging boots here? There is so much derision amongst Republicans over this. But let me tell you, yesterday I was in your old neck of the woods. I was at Marine Park looking at all those illegal aliens, right, who are begging on all the street corners across from King's Plaza at Walgreens going door to door. And then I said, let me stop by Mill Basin. Mill Basin. Because. My sister lives there right now as oh, we speak. Oh, and she knows exactly what but I'm talking as about. As we speak, Albert and Ray Sherry are listening on South Mayfair Drive. Oh, God, please walk over to the Vatican Basin. Look at that garish house formerly owned by Anthony Gaspipe Case. I know the house. Well, uh, the FBI, when they raided you, you, you can see that house from the water, too, when Mike Sullivan takes us on his boat yeah, over the summer. It, it's the most bizarre house you've ever seen. FBI went in there looking for dead bodies, right, and breaking holes in the wall because they thought he had money there. And who comes and buys it? Dorothy Torano and her two gynecologist twin sons. <laughs> and then who pretends to be Dorothy's longtime secret lover? But Carl Kruger, that crook. Meantime, he's having a love affair with one of her sons, right? I mean, it's totally gay, and he voted against the rights of gays to get married in Albany, and he has been a pariah ever since. He went seven years to jail for political corruption. They should have given him more, and now he goes out in the yard, like in the Godfather last scenes where he's (laughs) tending the garden. Carl Kruger with probably the worst rug that I've ever seen in my life on his head. I mean, is that a raccoon that died on your head, Carl? Oh, it was so good, guy. And Frank Caron lives a few blocks away. Yes, I'm he like does. Ready to wave. Hey, Frank, yes. come on out and play. In fact, I'm going to be with Anthony Caron, his beautiful brother, later on tonight. By the way, at can the you... Nets and Knicks game good. at the Barclays Center. Perfect, because it's mostly Jews, but there are some blacks there. This is what I want you to do. Yeah. A litmus test. All right. You just say to them, Eric Adams on one side, and then you put Gomez Adams of the Adams family. <laughs> Who would you vote for if the election were tomorrow? What was his name? Was it John Anton or, or uh, what was his name? Who the hell cares? The real Gomez <laughs> Adams. Do you know more people would vote for Gomez Adams and the Adams family, the patriarch, in than a for Eric Adams? In a heartbeat right now. Oh, God. No, listen, I'm down on the mayor. I mean, there's no qu- Again, I like him as a guy. He's my friend. He's a nice guy. But as a mayor... Curtis, you've completely convinced me. Well, well, he's no, no. lost. Hold on, a he second. is lost. Hold on a second. I mean, you have an opportunity yesterday to to apologize for including nine eleven as something that makes New York great, and you get mad at people like us because we brought it up. It was one of the dumbest and most hurtful comments in the history of New York politics. A little Italian lady came up to me last night. Is this in the like Bronx. a joke, like a, a Jonah? No, and a, okay, no, yeah. no, she's your, and she's your number one fan. She, she proved is. it to me. Anna Russo, oh. originally from Avellino, went to Dodge Vocational High School in the Bronx. Wait, what is her name? Uh, Anna Russo. And you saw her in Bay Ridge last night? No, no, not Bay Ridge. Uh, in Country Club in the Bronx. Oh, okay. She's your number one fan. She recited to me all your programs, everything you did. She went to school when she lived on Arthur Avenue. 
She, in the interim, she goes, I used to listen to the Italian station in New Rochelle, but they closed it. So now I not only listen to Sid in the morning, I listen to the podcast, too. Oh, I love her. This is your number one fan. But she said to me. Anna Ash- Russo, right? Yeah, Anna Russo said to me, Ashbet, Wanyan, please, please. He, he likes Eric Adams. Understand this. I come from a family where oftentimes you go to court. And just before the sentencing, the judge would ask for letters, letters from friends and noted individuals in the community so that he might commute the sentence a bit. And there's no doubt I thought immediately the two people, when Eric Adams gets busted and goes up to the big house for political corruption like Carl Kruger did in Chains and Shackles, both you and my husband-in-law, who's raising money for his legal defense fund, David Patterson, like Ebony and Ivory, could put in two letters and say, he's really not a bad guy. We like him. He's not a bad guy. I, I maintain that, but I will tell you this. There'll be a longer line in front of me to write that letter. It won't be me. Because in the end, I'm not judging him by what type of guy he is. He promised to save this city, and he hasn't. I mean, to say that I'm not sure. Think about this for a second. And I hope you're listening. Think about this for a second. To say that I'm not sure whether he's better than Bill de Blasio, I'm not sure. Please. That says a lot. Don't. Don't try to do a pivot and shift on this. You're going <laughs> to Barclays Center, right? I am tonight. Next game. Perfect focus group. Mostly Jews there because without Jews, professional basketball, both in Madison Square Garden and Barclays Center, could not survive. But a fair amount of brothers are going to be there and sisters. I want you to hold up two cards. If an election were held tomorrow, which Adams would you vote for? Eric Adams? Or Gomez Adams, the patriarch of the Adams family, and even the brothers would curse Eric Adams' name. What the hell's he doing with all those illegal aliens? He got in, I helped the brother get in. Man, and then he puts me to the back of the line, and I see them walking around with tar shade bags, North Face jackets going into Floyd Benefield. That's $600, $700 a pop. Where the hell are they getting all that money from? You know from who? Us, the sucker taxpayers. So please, you got to go to Barclays Center tonight. You got to structure stuff because everybody knows you're Mr. B-Ball in New York City. King of the Jews. King David number two, but friend of the brothers. And put those plaquettes up. If the election were held tomorrow, who would you vote for? Eric Adams. Or Gomez Adams of the Adams family. That sets it off.
Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth there. And it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Bay, and it keeps it uh, out of sight. You know when that shark bites with his teeth, big scarlet billows start to spread. Fancy gloves, though, where's old Maggie Bay? So there's never, never a trace of red Now on the sidewalk, ooh, Sunday morning uh-huh, Lies a body just oozing life And someone sneaking round the corner Can that someone, that someone oh, be my knife tonight Oh, happy heavenly birthday today to the great Bobby Darren, folks. This is Mac the Knife, one of the all-time great songs ever. I can't even imagine how old Bobby would be today, but he died on this day. It's not Bobby Darren's birthday. How many years has he gone now, Lou? 1973. So my man been dead now for 50 years. 50 years ago today. Is 37 years 37, old. 37, wow. Way too young. Yeah, he had, he had a lot of health problems oh. growing up. He had rheumatic fever. He had sepsis. Really? Yeah, that's an, it infected his system. And then one of his... He had heart valves replaced. Jeez. Yeah, he was... But he's a guy, but a young guy. It's yeah. so great. With a good-looking guy. Yeah, great-looking great looking guy. A great oh, singer. Splish Splash. Sailing. No, Beyond the Sea, actually, it's called, I guess. Beyond the Sea. This one, Mac the Night. Bobby Darren, 50 years ago today. Wow. Steve Bannon is set to join me shortly. You know, I did a show yesterday because uh, Fox News doesn't call as much lately. I don't know what happened, but I don't care. <laughs> and I don't do Newsmax, and there's a whole story behind that, which is I, I still don't understand, but it is what it is. So I got a call from a young lady, Brit- uh, Brittany. She works with this uh, this network. It's called... 
American Media Periscope, AMP. Are you familiar with this, Noam Laden, AMP? I have never heard of that, no. got a pretty big audience. And these are the real psychos, you know. These are people that, like, like Alex Jones. <laughs> All right. Those kids never died, man. They never died. Crazies like that, you know. But I decided to do it because it was easy. I was home. It was from my computer. And uh, the girl was good, the, uh, the host of the show, Christy Lee. She was good. And we discussed a whole bunch of things. But she was really interested in my acting, which I thought was funny. You know, I've got a whole bunch of stuff happening, folks. Bannon's calling, Lewis. A whole bunch of stuff going on. In the Brooklyn paper just two days ago, they were already previewing season three of Gravesend after my, what I thought was a spectacular performance in season two. I mean, I was in five of the nine episodes, not a ton of lines. Hopefully Willie DeMeo steps it up for season three, but I certainly received a lot of accolades. So season three, we're going to start shooting, I think, in April, May, in Miami and Brooklyn. Then you get this movie I've been telling you about with Danny A. We just did Inside Man two summers ago. Now we're about to do the true story about the mob cops in Brooklyn called On the Take, Caracapa and Ippolito. Then I've got something called the Jailhouse Jerky Boys, me and Chuck Cito, William DeMeo, uh, Peter Gordio, all those guys coming up under the direction of Paul Borghese and Tony Darrow in a couple of weeks. Well, I got acting uh, everywhere, everywhere. Four scripts since the actor's strike came to an end. And there seems to be this uh, conception that every actor is a liberal Democrat. And it's not true. Now, look, the big guys, yes, guys making $25 million a movie, they are those assholes. But the guys that I work with on all these projects, and some of these guys are pretty major guys, they're not. So on this show, counter-narrative on AMP, she asked me about that, about what it's like being a Trump supporter, conservative, Republican, number one voice in the nation, and working on a Hollywood set. And here was my answer. This is, once again, courtesy of counter-narrative on AMP. Yesterday, Lewis, cut number 11. Be careful what you read, what you see. You guys know this. The idea that everybody in Hollywood is liberal, that they're all progressives, most of them are. There's no question. The overwhelming majority, most of them are. But there's still a nice percentage of actors here in New York, in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, that have the values that I've got, Christy, that you've got, that most good Americans have. And they do vote Republican, and they're excited to vote for Donald Trump in 2024. And they're sick and tired of what the Democrats in this administration have done to this country. Every film and TV show I've done, and I'm three in with four more to go, the majority of the actors on that set are Republicans, not Democrats. So I know we do the big names. We, we get lost. They're anti-Israel. They're anti-cop. They're anti-Trump. They're going to move out of the country. And that may be true for the very small percentage of $100 million actors. There's a lot of young actors on the rise right now that accept the same values you and I do. And I've never had one issue, never one, working with anybody because they know one thing about me. I'm a conservative. I'm Republican. I love Donald Trump. You can hire me, but you don't have to. Either way, I'm not going to change how I feel. All right, there you have it, folks. So uh, I'm back on the set January 4th, 5th, and 6th for the Jerky Jailhouse crew and back in Los Angeles January 15th to shoot 
the movie about the mob cops on the take. All right, we're going to take a uh, short break because Steve Bannon is coming up next, and I love Steve Bannon, but it is Wednesday. Time for my weekly Tunnel to Towers update. The CEO, Frank Siller, dear friend of mine. As you know, folks, Christmas now just five days away. And the foundation continues to deliver hope to America's heroes and their families on this Christmas. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is delivering on its commitment to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes during their annual season of hope. During Season of Hope, Tunnel to Towers pays off dozens of mortgages for fallen first responder families, gold star families, and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders. One family who received a mortgage payoff during the Season of Hope is the family of Pennsylvania State Trooper Brandon Siska. Trooper Siska perished when a drunk driver fatally struck both him and his partner while they were making an arrest on I-95. He survived by his beautiful wife, Brittany, and their daughter, Bryn. Paying off the Siska's mortgage in full relieve them of a significant financial burden just ahead of the holidays. Your support is crucial in ensuring families like the Siskas can have the support and peace of mind that they deserve. Visit T2T.org today and donate just $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. That's T, the number 2T.org. Right, folks, on 9-11, we vowed to never forget. Help America keep that promise. Donate just $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. My guy, Frank Siller, T. 2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. Once again, just ahead of the great Steve Bannon. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I hate to tell everybody, there is no client list. Instead, let's look at the evidence that was or was not presented at the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. There is no doubt that, number one, the FBI and the NYPD were both tipped off about Epstein all the way back in 1996. Think about that. And nothing was done in those cases. In fact, it took those Palm Beach cases for the quote-unquote sweetheart deal where even when Epstein pled down and was sentenced, he often didn't even spend time in jail. He was leaving almost on a daily basis. Everybody needs to understand that. And then we get to 2000. And 17, when we're in their midterm cycle before he gets arrested, and, you know, Steve Bannon right now is sitting on 18 hours of interviews with Epstein. He actually put out a small uh, taste in his Monsters trailer. go on the show yesterday on this uh, AMP show, and I'm watching this guy. His name is Jason Burmish. Never heard of the guy. Guess he's friends with Alex Jones. He does a daily show there. It's actually pretty good. He brings up Steve Bannon's name. Bannon's got 18 hours of Jeffrey Epstein uh, video. And uh, all this, of course, is the day before my new best buddy is coming back on the show now twice in two weeks since I saw him at Cipriani's that epic night with 
President Trump. Here he is, the great Steve Bannon. Steve, good morning, buddy. How are you? How you doing, Sid? Thanks for having me on. Great to have you. So uh, according to this guy, Jason Burmas, or Burmas, you may know him. I don't know him. Uh, but he claims you've got 18 hours of video, uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And I guess it turns out that they're about to release the names of about 170 people. Although most people, Steve, are saying that we already know most of the names, if not all of these names on this list. Is, is that true that you've got all that video, Jeffrey Epstein? I have about, uh, I think, 15 hours of interviews with uh, Epstein that I did from a couple of years ago. And it'll be, uh, I'm making a film about it. Uh, it's been a little slow in process for the simple reason I've got so much other stuff going on with the show and uh, making sure that President Trump returns to the White House. But uh, I think people see – I don't think the Epstein thing has been uh, – I don't think the surface has been scratched. And the key thing is how Epstein got so dialed into the elite. This was a guy that was absolutely hardwired in at the highest levels of science, technology, uh, World Economic Forum, uh, different uh, senior members of government throughout the, uh, throughout the world. Uh, he was an interconnective or connective tissue, I think, to a, many, a lot of activities. And I don't think that story has ever been told. The, the story is how did Epstein get to such prominence when he really started essentially a trader over at uh, Bear Stearns? Uh, and so it's uh, Epstein's uh, – the, the key to Epstein is how the elites in the world, and particularly the world of finance, technology, education, uh, and science, uh, really took his money and, uh, and interacted with him. Everybody from hedge fund managers and particularly major universities and uh, major think tanks. Uh, one of the things I've been focused on the last couple of years is yeah. something called transhumanism, yes. facility or this drive to live forever, eternity. And Epstein was a central figure in that uh, behind the scenes, funding a lot of the research, uh, dealing with the scientists. Uh, so I don't think that story's ever been told, and that's why I'm working on it. Yeah, the transhuman uh, stuff, the brain stuff. And then uh, another part of that story, I guess, Steve, which no one really talks about, I do want to get to Trump in Colorado, trust me, is uh, did he have like a place, it was like a baby ranch or something? What was that all about? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think they say that I believe it was in New Mexico that he was trying to impregnate, impregnate women and make sure that he, he had uh, – you know, uh, dozens of uh, of children that would follow him or had his genetic code, et cetera. Look, there's many different aspects of Epstein. He was tied, I believe, very tightly to many intelligence operations uh, throughout the world. I mean, this is a guy that was dialed in at the highest levels of the World Economic Forum, the, what I call the Party of Davos, uh, intelligence operations, uh, political operations, the financial system. He's key in the financial system, which I also think is quite fishy. I, I never really found him to be a financial genius. That's another part of the story. I don't think anybody's ever, you know, I spent a lot of time with him trying to go through and understand how he had actually gotten all this money and actually how he, you know, knowing coming out of Goldman Sachs, having my own investment banking firm, knowing people that are traders and uh, are hedge fund managers. These people live by trades. You know, if you, you know this, Sid, if you sit down and have dinner with them, that's all they want to talk about. It's true. So it's not Epstein. I never really, I never really found him a financial genius uh, at all, and that's another very suspicious part of the story is exactly how he dialed into the elites, and he dialed into the elites back into the in the nineties, and I mean the you know the Bilderberg Group, um, the Council on Foreign Relations. You look at every major institution in our country, including Harvard University, 
many of the top think tanks, the Santa Fe uh, Santa Fe Institute, which is the cutting edge of uh, of really what was called fuzzy math at the time or chaos theory. He's a major funder. He knows everybody. He's working with Nobel Prize laureates, uh, you know, helping finance their uh, helping finance their uh, their research. So the question is, how did he get dialed in so hard into the uh, into the elites of the world and how they propped him up? So I don't think I think we're just at the beginning of scratching the surface on Epstein's story. And I believe that, that these names have been released. I believe my understanding is a lot of this has already been out there, but it's going to be uh, I think that'll be explosive. And I think the Epstein story is just uh, at the very, very early stages of being told. Wow. I can't wait to uh, hear what else you have to say about that. I'm fascinated by the whole story. I'm still Steve Bannon having a very difficult time believing, especially after what you just said, all these people he knew, above and beyond Bill and Hillary Clinton, I'm still having a hard time accepting the fact that he killed himself that day. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, again. No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that at all. No, okay, me either. Good. I, I think he was murdered. I don't think he's ain't got Me it. too. So, well, me too, but, me too, but I've had these cops on this show that have said, Sid, there is no evidence to support your theory he was murdered other than all of your crazy conspiracy theories. I'm with you, Steve Bannon. He was definitely murdered. I, I believe I believe uh, he was definitely murdered, and I think he was ble- uh, murdered by uh, intelligence operations. So who who have a pretty good track record and not leaving a lot of evidence behind. Let me ask you about one more guy before we get to what uh, Trump uh, and also came up on this show yesterday, and that is uh, Julian Assange. What is his future? Well, I think they should have been part. I mean, this guy's been a truth teller for a long time, and they're, 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 once again, the intelligence apparatus. Globally, is out to get him. So I think this guy's done more, uh, particularly years ago, in making sure that we understood what was going on and getting real information out there. I think there's another guy, like you see a number of these, and the, you know, Julian Assange is, is no conservative, but you've seen a number of these people that have, I think, gone out of their way to try to expose what's going on in the world, and they're being prosecuted. I mean, anybody, listen, you have an established order in this world, and particularly in the United States, that's tied to money and power. And really, money drives it. Uh, the lords of easy money on, on Wall Street and our central bank, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury, in uh, in the, the oligarchs in Silicon Valley, are the driving forces of this. Uh, and I think you see that anybody steps out of line, whether that's Julian Assange or Donald Trump or Alex Jones or anybody that steps outside and tries to get information to people, is immediately crushed. You know, it's it's interesting you mentioned Alex Jones and um, look. Uh, at the risk of uh, upsetting you, which I don't want to do because I love our uh, new friendship. I really do. But And I know that Alex Jones has said a heck of a lot of stuff, Steve, which is right on the money, right on the money. Uh, but I could never forgive him, and you're not going to convince me to feel any differently. I could never forgive him uh, for what he said about those kids at Sandy Hook. I mean, I, listen, I, I am getting older, and I'm starting to believe more and more of these conspiracy theories. But dead kids on a classroom floor. That is not the time and or place for that. I understand a lot of folks like you and in that circle appreciate Alex. think he's a very smart guy. I'm not saying he's not. But what he did there was despicable. That's my opinion. Well, you know, I, think he's, uh, I think he's paid for that. I think he's, uh, I think he's apologized for that. I think he's tried to explain it. I'm not defending him on that. I don't defend him on a lot of stuff he does. My point is that if you look at the other stuff he's talked about for years, that's why they're also trying to crush him. It's just not uh, – it's just not uh, Sandy Hook or, or, or Newtown. 
um, which is, you know, he's dealt with that. I think he's just offered the parents of the $1.5 billion, um, uh, what he lost, right, and owes them. I think he's offered them a $55 million settlement. I'm sure they're not going to take that, but I think he's trying to at least and somehow try to make amends, at least financially, after the court uh, found him uh, responsible for that. And I think the way he purported himself in court was at least the beginning uh, to try to heal that. And like I said, the people that know him, uh, a lot of people don't defend that as I don't. Uh, and I don't really know the details since it wasn't, you know, it's not something that uh, I really followed or uh, or believed in on his aspect. But I think he's tried to, to the degree possible, make amends for that now. But I, I, I agree with you. But I'm, I'm talking about the other stuff, which I think he's done a great job. Yeah. Particularly in the World Economic Forum and some of the things that he looked crazy at the time he was saying it. But if you follow him over the years, he's been he's been pretty dead spot on in so many different aspects. Yeah, very smart guy. And you're right. I have followed some of the stuff he said, and uh, it did seem crazy at first. And it turned out to be exactly right. And when you're right against Steve Bannon is that he is one of those guys with the target on the back. I mean, for me to wake up on a December morning in the United States, in the United States, Steve Bannon, and for some state to tell me that I can't vote for the person that I want to vote for, when, in fact, we know, we know that he's not on trial. He is not on trial for an insurrection. There's not even a legal ground for Colorado to do what they're doing. We have really hit rock bottom in the United States. Joe Biden, the Constitution has been basically thrown out. At this point, it's become toilet paper. But they're doing a Donald Trump in Colorado. I don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, an independent, whether you love Donald Trump like we do or hate his guts. This is one of the more embarrassing moments in the history of this country. I know you agree. Well, I think it, I think it's going to be positive in the fact that I think it'll be an inflection point. I think people see now with Jack Smith, everything coming at him from the Justice Department and trying to hurry up this this phony trial in D.C., Jack Smith, as crazy as he is, never charged President Trump with insurrection. The reason is there, there was no insurrection. There's no evidence of an insurrection. Uh, and what the judge out there – remember, the judge in the first trial ruled that Trump should be on the ballot. This, this was an ter- overturn on appeal by the guys that had lost. So, so the, the first judge ruled that Trump should be on the ballot. The one thing she did is took the J6 committee report which is completely shoddy work, and entered that as evidence that he committed uh, uh, the crime of, uh, of insurrection, which he's never been charged with. And that's what the Supreme Court of uh, Colorado – look, I think it's an inflection point. I think it's going to turn out to be very positive for President Trump. I think his polling uh, will go up. And one of the reasons, if you look at the polling set, it's absolutely brutal for Biden. I mean, I think Trump's leading young voters under 30 by six points now. Biden is in a total freefall. So the so the apparatus out there that hates Trump and it doesn't the established order that does not want Trump back in the White House will uh, and people should understand this. They're, this is just not the this is not the last. They're going to pull everything they can possibly pull to try to thwart President Trump's victory. Also, people should understand this is the beginning of the nullification project of his second term. Even when he wins. This is going to be relentless. This will be more relentless than his first term when they did Russiagate right out of the box. They have no intention of allowing President Trump to to win. When he does win, they have no intention of allowing him to govern. They will come at him every day. And this is well-funded, very, very sophisticated. And you see this travesty in Colorado uh, is only the first. So people better strap in because if they think it's going to get better and easier, 
they're dead wrong. These people are bound and determined to keep Trump from the White House. And once Trump wins <clears throat> with the support of the people of this country, they will do everything to make sure that he can't govern uh, effectively. So people better this, – this should be a wake-up call to the nation about the lengths they will go to to stop, uh, to stop President Trump and his uh, populist movement. I agree with you, um, and there's no reason to not agree with you because that's all we've seen since he's come down the escalator is news about how much they hate Donald Trump. That's it. You know what's interesting, Steve, is how stupid could these people be? They tried impeachment. Didn't work. They've indicted this man four times. He's got civil trials as well. Whatever they've done, especially over the last eight months, to try to derail President Trump has backfired. Why would they think? I'm just curious. Why would they think what they've done here in Colorado, which is un-American and unconstitutional, why do they think that'll work in their favor? Why? Because they believe that with their power, that they will scare Americans off. What they're playing on here is fear. And, uh, and what they believe, they keep coming, and they're not going to back off. And I want to go back to what you just said. It's just not... The, 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 it's just not what they've done, but the degree to it. Remember, in, in Manhattan right now, you have a Moscow show trial like the 1930s where, I, it, you know, being in the finance business, I've never seen anything like this. For what Trump did in the normal course of business with sophisticated Wall Street banks, he's on trial to take his entire empire that they've worked on for a couple of generations and built an incredible business in New York City. They are literally trying to take his business empire from him like something you would see in the Soviet Union back in the 20s or 30s. And, that, and that's going to play out in, in the month of January. On the criminal charges, it's 700 years in federal prison. Let me repeat that. The charges add up to potential 700 years in federal prison. They want to see him die in a federal prison. On the 14th Amendment, they're prepared. They don't care about the fact they're taking people's right. They're taking the fundamental right in this country. For someone to vote against Donald Trump, right, to vote against Donald Trump, uh, they don't care. They will, they will go to any measures, and I don't believe we've seen the last – and look at, look at, the, look at the, uh, the other Letitia James uh, travesty on the, on the, on the, on the expenses uh, for Stormy Daniels. Or look at this joke, the RICO charge, which is crumbling before our eyes and falling apart before our eyes in, in Georgia. It's so over the top. They're so vicious about Trump, and the reason is they want to crush the populist movement. They want to show people that even someone as powerful, as strong, as dedicated, as smart as Donald Trump will be destroyed if you get out of line, just like Julian Assange. You will be destroyed if you get out of line, okay? And that's the message they're trying to send to a right, another generation or people that would work with him or people would go in his, to his White House or to his cabinet, that you will not be employed. You won't have uh, – you, you'll be outed out of your clubs. You won't be in your associations. You can't go back to your alma mater and speak because you will be othered. Uh, and they're using all the powers of the state and terribly well-financed to come after Trump. And so I think this is an inflection point that people will wake up and see how over the top it is. Uh, but I'm just warning people, it's going to get so much worse before Election Day in November. And so this is going to be a test of wills between the populist movement in this country and the established order. Well, I got bad news for him, Steve. My old Jewish grandmother used to have an expression, and it went like this. F him. I'll see you at Mar-a-Lago on New Year's Eve, and I'll be standing right next to you when we win this election again 
in 2024? Well, uh, the, your lips, your lips to God's ears, or your are your uh, grandmother's lips to God's ears. <laughs> I, agree. I agree with her. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, very, very Merry Christmas, Happiest of New Years. If I see you before, great. Uh, either way. Thank you so much for these uh, last two weeks. I really hope you become a major part of this program in uh, 2024. You really are great. God bless you, Steve Bannon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. Love the show. Merry Christmas uh, and Happy New Year if I don't see you. You too, buddy. Steve Bannon right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. That's two amazing weeks in a row. Thank you, Steve. A bit late to the 8 o'clock hour. We've got lots more to do this hour, though. Ronnie Duguay, former Ranger great, and Peter King. If the know with the news. What a terrible Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. This year we're we're honoring two people. We're honoring Ron Duguay, who I know is a good friend of yours. But who else? Who else you honor besides Ron Duguay? Who's the second guy? The second guy. It's very important that you show up because the second guy is going to be you. What? We're honoring we're honoring Ron Duguay and Sid Rosenberg. No, you're not. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Come, Stevie, stop, stop. You being serious? I'm telling you, we're announcing it right now, live. It's Ron and you, baby. Come on. Yep. For yep. real? Absolutely, because of your great support of the police, and we know that. Oh, my Everybody God. Everybody knows that. Oh, my God. And so this year, we're, uh, we're, we're honoring both of you guys. You're going to come, you know, it's going to be great. Stevie, Stevie Van's in. Here's some boosters for you. Hi, is it fine? To play a game show on WNEW, use this song. And that was the first time Lee Davis, Connie Fitzgerald, and Mark Chernoff at WFAN fell in love with me and Scott. Ka- well, me, really. I was working with Scott Kaplan. Ties that bind, and I used this song. Little Stevie from the East Street Band, Silvio Dante from the Sopranos, made that announcement with me live on the air, thanks to him and Mike Sullivan. They're going to honor at this policeman's ball, which is a huge, huge deal. Every top cop in town comes, celebrities, you name it, at the beautiful Mandarin Hotel. 
That comes your way tomorrow night. They're going to honor me and a former Ranger great and one of my best buddies who also loves the cops. And even though he lives in Jacksonville these days, he spends a lot of time in New York, still working with the New York Rangers, Ron Duguay. But before I bring Duguay on, so he sends me this, this text, uh, literally like 10 minutes ago. If you don't know yet, you should know if you listen to me, but Ron Duguay's girlfriend is Sarah Palin, and I love Sarah Palin. So he says, hey, uh, Sid, by the way, Sarah wanted you to see this. She said uh, his take on Israel is right on. Using his influence for good in the matter is appreciated. He had balls to get out there early and voice support. He did not wait to see which way the winds were blowing. Instead, he helped direct the wind, Sarah. So I'm going to talk to Dukes here because I love Dukes, and he's my favorite Ranger ever, even ahead of Mark Messier. But I have a special place for his girlfriend, Sarah Palin, right about now. Doogie, what's going on, brother? Hey, good morning, Sid. Yeah, those were really kind words and accurate words from Sarah this morning because I'm talking to her. She's on her way to New York now. We're going to meet each other tomorrow night. She she will be there at the ball. She's excited to see you. Awesome. Uh, but me personally, I'm physically and mentally doing really well, the best I've felt in a long time for various reasons. Uh, it makes me happy when I get to step up on the ice, and I've been doing a little bit of hockey touring in Canada, the eastern part of Canada, with my alumni friends, we play games, we go to communities, and we still, we that's our way of raising funds. So I just come off of that because I was so tired. I had an opportunity to go to Colombia, and I think you've heard of this. Uh, <laughs> yes. Medellin, you go yep. there and you can get some stem cells and some live stem cells, which yep. was offered to me. Yep. So I went there for five days. So I just come back from that, and I'm starting to feel the effects already. And wow. I'm going to New York today. And I'm going to see you and our police friends. And it's the holidays. So there's a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be cheerful for. And, of course, of course, last night, watching the Rangers play in Toronto, a very good team. And they beat them, and the Rangers are looking really good. This year might be the year, Sid. I agree with you. And, of course, uh, Toronto is uh, your hometown, and you were taken number 13 overall by the Rangers back in 77 out of Toronto. So I know there's a little bit of dudes that still loves the Maple Leafs, but they look great. Look, the facts are the facts. They moved ahead of Boston last night, 45 points. The New York Rangers right now atop the Eastern Conference. Panarin's giving them a lot. Kreider, Zabinijad, even the fourth-line scores goals. And I got to tell you, Ronnie, uh, there is no better one-two combination on the planet, maybe ever, then Shesterkin and Jonathan Quick, who's been a tremendous backup. The Ranger goaltending right now, Ronnie, second to none. Yes, and, and that's the key going to the playoffs because, you know, playoff hockey is completely different, right? Um, it's a different brand of hockey, and the character of the players make a difference, but really it all starts at the back end. Is the goaltending being solid? And then your defense and how they defend defensively. And the Rangers, we're seeing that now. Now, they've had a couple of games where they didn't look like, like themselves. So they're learning to play a playoff hurt hockey now because every game is so important, right? Every game is a game that gets you into the playoffs or out of the playoffs. They're, they're playing with a lot of confidence. They appear to be very happy. I think coaching has done a good job. Uh, Gerard Gallant, I thought, was a good coach. But we're seeing some good coaching now also. And uh, they're putting together. I, I just, uh, you know, for me, it was always a question of the uh, enough 
a mental and physical toughness going into the playoffs, right? Because it's a grind. Every day, every shift is a grind. It's learning how to beat your opponent, beat them down physically and mentally. And and we're starting to see some of that. Now, they may add a player or two, um, possibly a defenseman uh, going into the playoff season, maybe a Ford. I'm not sure. But the way they look now, they look good. But I'm telling you, playoff hockey is different. No, it's much different. You're right. And we saw that last year. I mean, the Rangers were a great regular season team. And they're ousted in the first round by a young Jack Hughes and the Devils. And they don't want to do that again. That's the bottom line. And I have to tell you, when the Rangers fired Gallant at the end of the year, that was a 100-point Ranger team. You don't fire the coach when you amass 100 points. But they did it. And I've always liked Pete Lavillette. I'll give you a funny story, Ron. When I was on WFAN in the early 2000s doing the midday show with Jody McDonald before Joe Beningo, I was really the only guy that covered hockey. Mike and Mad Dog didn't care about hockey. Nobody cared. But I covered it. And Pete was coaching the Islanders. And he would listen to me and Jody every midday on the fan. He used to call in, Ronnie, as Pete from Uniondale, which, of course, yeah. is an FAN moniker like Sid from Brooklyn. And he would discuss hockey with me and Jody Mack, not as the Islanders head coach, but Pete from Uniondale. We've been funding out for the better part of 20 years. And I think he's the perfect guy, Ron Duguay, to coach the Rangers. I have no problems with him whatsoever. One of the reasons I like him, well, first of all, I think I believe him and I were in training camp in his rookie year. I don't re- remember him, but he was there at the same time, so I'm assuming we ran into each other. But when you watch him play, it was just a little guy. He's got fire in his belly, and you see it. Not that Gerard Gallant didn't, but he's got fire in his belly, uh, and he's a likable guy. He's a very fair guy, and he's got a passion for the game. So he's been around. Uh, he's experienced, and as you grow, as you as you coach and you teach, you you have good days, you have bad days. You know, learn from it, right? It, yep. It's like my good friend Mike Keenan that we're going to see on Thursday night. Mike's going to be at our dinner, and Mike is, uh, you know, I don't know if you know about Mike, but he's now in Italy uh, representing Italy on the Olympic team. So yes. he's going to be coaching Olympic team. So he's had to change. So my point is this. You can't. You you have to learn from your mistake and grow. And the fact that he is a New York Ranger, because that's how he all. He, that's how he got started. I love the fact that he was a New York Ranger. That I would love for him to see him win a Stanley yeah. Cup as a an original New York Ranger. Agreed. And of course, uh, the man he just mentioned, Dukes, will be with us tomorrow night. Mike Keenan. For folks that are not huge hockey fans, he was the coach of the last time the Rangers won the only cup. And unfortunately, the only time in about 80 years, Mike Keenan coached our 94 team to that Stanley Cup win. I got to know Mike a little bit through you a couple years ago. In fact, Ronnie, you may remember this time of year, we had a couple of Christmas parties. And uh, Mike Keenan joined us on a couple of those uh, here in New York City. So I look forward to seeing him tomorrow night. But, look, the fact is you're here for tomorrow night. Stephen Van Zant, little Stevie, Silvio, uh, Silvio Dante from the Sopranos, puts on this huge policeman's ball every year. It's a big deal. I mean, you get every top cop in this city. Uh, you get Gary U.S. Bonds performing. It's at the beautiful Mandarin Hotel. It really is an amazing night. I was there last year. So were you in your beautiful green velvet jacket, and they honored Frank Carone. But this year, it's uh, you and I. And uh, you're a guy that uh, played hockey here a long time ago, Ronnie. But you could be living in Jacksonville. You can be in Alaska with Sarah Palin. You can be in Toronto playing hockey. But Ron Duguay is about as New York as anybody. And I know, I know, Ronnie, over the years from talking to you about politics, 
You're a conservative guy. You're a Republican guy. I'm sorry I'm blowing your cover. Clearly you must be. You're with Sarah Palin, but you love the cops. You love them. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think it, it stemmed from my upbringing, my dad. Um, he just always showed me and taught me to respect your elders and also respect the police because there's a great need for the police and to want to stay out of trouble. So I always and, and by the way, just, just to kind of emphasize that, God knows how many times you got out of line at Studio 54 in the 70s, and the cops must have saved your ass. <laughs> never. Said never. I never get out of line. <laughs> I'm a happy I'm a happy dude. I'm a happy dancer. <laughs> I stay I stay out of the trouble. Now they've had to take now they had to escort me out the back door a couple of times. <laughs> and where where I'd have a car waiting for me. But uh I, I did stay out of trouble. Uh um, anyways, yeah, so the, for me, it was always the police at the Madison Square Garden because all of them, would, would they love hockey, right? I don't know what it is about police and the hockey players. We appreciate each other, right? Now, they're, they're dodging things that we don't have to dodge, which us as pucks and sticks and elbows, them, it's a little more serious. But whenever I would see those police officers, and back then in the 70s, those guys had their game face on. Like, it's a different police guy out in the streets now compared to back then. But we loved each other. We appreciate each other. And, of course, we have a mutual friend in Kevin Schroeder, right? And so I've gotten yes. to know Kevin, who's, uh, who has his own security business. But whenever I get asked, like you, to help support, uh, whether it's a fundraiser, I'm always like a yes, I'm in, I'm all in. And then over the years, you know, and I always say this, always be prepared to help and share and, and give back because eventually it comes back to you. Now, we don't do it for that reason. But that's what ends up happening. Here we are. You and I will be there tomorrow night um, being honored. And uh, I'm going to be there with you. With uh, I'm not wearing green velvet this year. I'm looking for something different. But, uh, yeah, but we're, we're going to have a whole bunch of fun. I got some of my friends there. Jeff Nelson from the Yankees, who's a friend of the family, uh, from the police family. He'll be there. Mike Keenan and others. And, of course, Sarah. So, uh, and then you'll be there with your beautiful wife, uh, Thank wife you. I'm assuming. Yes, uh, Danielle yeah. will be there. In fact, Danielle's looking very much forward to meeting Sarah. She's met you. She loves you. And didn't you tell me that uh, uh, the great John Ledecky, who owns the Islanders, he'll be there too, yes? Well, he will be there. And we have a uh, – so I've known him over the last few years. And, uh, of course, I love the Islanders. I love the franchise because I've competed so hard against them. It's hockey, right? So I love John. But he was there the night that he met Sarah, where at that little incident, Ilios restaurant, where the uh, Upper East Side came too close. Yes, on the Upper East Side. So John was sitting at the table. No one knows this, but John was actually sitting there witnessing this whole thing, and uh, and so he has a connection to Sarah that way. So uh, so yes, also he'll be there. That's awesome. How many years are you together now with Sarah? It's got to be almost two years, right? Well, it's coming up two years celebration this week. Wow. So, uh, we'll be, we'll be celebrating. Let's put it that way, Sid. Well, you're Don't a great couple. Way. You're a great couple. I mean, she's, uh, you know how much I love Sarah. She calls into this show quite a bit and she's just a great lady with great American and Republican values. And you've always been my favorite. I, you know, I, my number, I, I have a battle between number 10 and number 11 in New York. Number 11, I've got Mark Messier and Bill Sims and number 10, I've got Duguay and Eli Manning. 
But uh, you've always been my favorite. And, you know, you, you talked about those matchups against the Islanders, talking about Ledecky owns the club now. But late 1970s, early 1980s, really early 1980s because you guys uh, lost to Montreal in the Cup in 79. But those are early 80s battles uh, to represent that conference in the Stanley Cup. They, they, they were great. I mean, look. You know, they were just too good. You know, Trottier and Bossy, and they had Hall of Famers on every line. But you guys, Ronnie, you, and um, you picked up Mike Rogers at one point. But, you know, all the Hedberg and, uh, and Mussolini and Pavlich and all you guys, and uh, you know, Ulf, you guys played your asses off, and, and they were a much more talented team, and you guys uh, played them tough. I always respected that, always. Well, that that goes to what I had said earlier. Playoff hockey is completely different. So you have to come together as a band of brothers. And that's what we had done that season. We had some good leadership in Phil Esposito, Carol Vadney, and then we had the younger players, right, myself, Dave Maloney, the Maloney brothers, Ron Gressner. So we had a good combination of guys that are willing to fight for each other. Of course, big Nicky Putillo, who was there to do his thing. And it was kind of the same thing with the Islanders. They had a little more talent, and they didn't go out at night. They, you wouldn't be seeing those guys at <laughs> Studio 54s. So we had to manage. We had to manage going out and staying healthy and playing hard enough. In the but you know, it's funny. But a lot of it had to do. A lot of it had to do with the 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 care and love that we had for each other, and that's what we're seeing with this current New York Rangers yes, team right I now. I agree. But you but you would admit this, even with all the success they had. You said the Islanders didn't go out, but I would predict this. If Mike Bossy, one of the maybe 10 greatest players ever, is online at Studio 54 next to Ron Duguay, and he's winning cups, scoring 50, 60 goals and winning cups, he's not getting in. You're getting in because no matter what, no matter how many cups the Islanders win, we are a New York Rangers town, have been, were, and always will be. Yes or no? Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, at the time, Sonny Warblin Warblin was running the show, and he had Joe Namath just before that, right? So Sonny came to me and said, Ron, listen, um, I don't mind you going out. Just be seen. Go have some fun, and then come back and play hard. And I said, well, okay, Sonny, I'll do my best to see if I can do that. And, of course, (laughs) who led me out was Rod Gilbert, the great Rod Gilbert, who's no longer with us. And I miss Rod. But, yeah, yeah, I was encouraged to go out and have some fun. And I did my best. I think I did good. Uh, I met Andy Warhol, puts me on the cover, and that opened the door to everything, right? Next thing I know, I'm meeting uh, Liza Minnelli and oh, Cher yeah. and you name it. And for me, it was – it elevated my name and likeness. And then once I took it on the ice. Like, I was not afraid of the garden. I was not afraid of the pressure. No. I loved it. No. Nope. Now, you still have to perform, but I loved it. It brought the best out of me. And you did perform that 40-goal season and uh, so many great years in that run between 77 and 83. I'm glad you came back at the end of your career, but you were the man. I mean, you were great looking. You had the hair. You banged every woman. I mean, there was not one single woman who you did not have sex with for a good five-year period. Not one, uh, which uh, has to be a record. I think you beat Will Chamberlain, Ronnie. You're just too humble to talk about it. <laughs> and then it all came crashing down when Herb Brooks, of all people, the man, the man that coached us to the Olympic ice victory over Russia and Finland. We loved Herb Brooks. And he comes to the Rangers and he cut your balls off. I never forgave him for that. Never. Yeah, well, I had to forgive him um, because he was my favorite coach. He allowed me to play my type of game, which uh, it was a more of a flow game. He gave me Mark Pavlich. I scored 40 goals, and then the following season, for whatever reason, he kept 
he would read about me in a newspaper, and most of it was true, of course. But for whatever reason, it bothered him. Like, him and I never had arguments. It was nothing. And so I loved him. Then he traded me away, and that's why to this day I only played eight seasons with the Rangers. But that really hurt me. I should have played at least 10 years. And But, you know, the thing with Herb, though, I, I, I say this to people, when my career ended, I got a call one day. I remember I was kind of down and out, and I got a call, and it was Herb Brooks. It essentially told me, Ron, you've had a great career. Keep your head up. And wow. to me, it, that was an apology to me yeah. and him recognizing. Yep. I think that he made a mistake because I went to Detroit. I was averaging a point a game. So I loved him for that. My disappointment in that conversation, though, Sid, I did not know what to say to him. Right. I just, right. I didn't know. I was right. like in shock, did not want to know. I wanted to see him again. Of course, he passed away. So anyways, yeah, I have good memories. We have good days, bad days, good bounces, bad bounces. That's just life. I did 12 years of TV. I'd love to still be doing TV for MSG, but I'm not. It's like you, right? You've had good days, bad days. And right now, Sid, you're crushing it. You're doing really well. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. Coming from you, that means a lot. Again, my favorite Ranger of all time and just a super guy. And I really could not think of a better guy. And I mean this. You know I mean this, Ronnie, for Van Zant and that ball to be honoring tomorrow night than you. You, are, you represent every good value of every decent American, every good New Yorker. You're a fun-loving guy. You like to have fun. But at the end of the day... Loyal? Oh, man, are you loyal. So congratulations. Can't wait to see you and Sarah, the whole crew, tomorrow night. Well-deserved. We'll have fun. Thank you so much for hopping on this morning. The great Ronnie Duguay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ed. See you My man, all. take care. The great number 10, Ron Duguay, right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Uh, that's going to uh, uh, take us to a break, right? Peter King is still coming uh, on this morning. So is Michael Lauder. We'll be right back. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street, say hello to friends you know and everyone you meet. Ho, ho, the mistletoe hung where you can see. Somebody waits for you, kiss her once for me. Have a holly jolly Christmas, and in case you didn't hear. Oh, by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas this yes, year. Yes, Merry Christmas, everybody. That was a great conversation with Ron Duguay. It's been a really, really great show. Curtis Lee, Steve Bannon, Ron Duguay. And the man, Congressman Peter King, because I ran late with Dukes, is now going to join us at 9.15 because we've got a very, 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 very important question to ask my guy Pete King. So he'll be here at 9.15. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Me and Lou Rufino on this song, Joe Jackson, Stepping Out. One of his two, he's a lot of, a lot of hits, a lot of hits, but his two major hits were this one. And uh, what was the other one? Not My Best Friend's Girlfriend. There was something like that. was the cause, but. Is she really going out with Right, that's right. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Hey, John. So we, um, Lewis was kind enough the day of that bad storm a couple of days ago to drive me back to Rockwell. We both live in Rockwell. I mean, uh, we've had these drives before, going to different places. In fact, we did one uh, last Thursday night, almost a week ago, to Woodbridge for our appearance at the Jewelry Exchange. And it's always fun. We always have great conversations, dating back 25 years to our FAN Imus days together. Funny stuff about this place now. And a lot of music. So this song comes on, and, and I like Joe Jackson. But while I pride myself on knowing a lot about a lot of things... Right, that's the beauty of this show. Certain guys, uh, most guys, not certain guys, the overwhelming majority of guys are very narrow in their scope. That's why radio blows. It's awful. Trust me. If you listen to radio like I did, I'm a junkie. When I was a kid, there was so much more talent. It's just not even close. Now there's a dirt. There's nothing out there. This is it. This is it, folks. I know Boomer and Geo kicked my ass, but like Bob Raceman once said, it doesn't matter. Put that signal on, anyone gets ratings. Getting ratings at WFAN doesn't mean you're great. Getting ratings here, I mean, that takes a miracle, which we do. (laughs) Well, I'm being serious. I know you're being serious. You think Boomer comes here and gets a five? No way. No way. But you can put any monkey on WFAN, they'll get a seven. He can't talk uh, the ec- economics. You know, of the he actually ACD. could. You know, yeah. in all fairness yeah. to Boomer, he's a very smart guy. He is. He's not just some dumb jock. He could. And he's also Republican, conservative. I'm not sure if he admits that on the radio. He's going to piss off his FAN listeners. But he is. Because a lot of those guys are sports fans and liberal geeks, you know. But there's a dirt. There's nothing out there. And I, I pride myself on knowing a lot about everything. We could be talking about politics, local, national, news, sports, entertainment, Trees, pop culture. Yeah, the, the uh, plant life. Uh, plant you know. life. Sure. No, that's really Michael Savage. Okay, it is. <laughs> and music. I know a lot about music. Oftentimes on this show, Lou will play a song. I'll blurt out the artist, and they'll be like, oh, my God, how'd you know that? But with all that said, all that said, my knowledge pales in comparison to Lewis. So this song comes on on a Tuesday afternoon, jumping back to Rockaway, and Louie gave me a whole Dissertation. session. Yeah, there you yes. go. Yeah. On Joe Jackson. And I was fascinated. And I think the point you made was that that album, which, which this song was on, he basically 
was in and around New York all hours, all times of the day, public transportation everywhere to give himself a real sense of New York, and that's what motivated this album. Is Correct. that right? Very good. Yes, you remembered very well. Yes. You're a good student. Thank you very much. Yes. What was yeah. the name of this album? Night and Day. That's right. So he would take subways, you told me, all hours? Yeah, he would hang out at places, and he wanted to make a, an album that felt like New York. And he recorded it at uh, Midtown Studios, if I'm right, I think. But he doesn't live here, you said. No, he used to live here uh, uh, back and forth. You know, I think he he's in London, too? UK, yes, yeah. Yeah. mostly. He records records in many cities, though. He's gone to France. He's gone... Into definitely in a lot of in a lot of areas, he just loves a feel of different studios. But he doesn't do a lot of compilation stuff with other artists. I don't think does he? Not really. No, no. He's an excellent musician and performer. Yeah, he's really. Have you great. seen him live? Uh, about five or six times. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's. Uh, he's but it had to be a while, right? I mean, I don't think he's done. Not. Yeah, I haven't seen him yeah. in a while. Yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I saw him in New York City about I don't know six, seven years ago. Well, I'll tell you what: friends. as we break this hour number three and get ready for hour number four, and we have a very important question for Congressman Peter King. Let's go to: Is she really going out with him? Make it kind of like a two for Tuesday, the good old days on WNEW. Or if you want a bookend and start the segment and end the segment. With the great Joe Jackson, starting with his popular hit, I believe, in the 80s, which would be um, I think it might Stepping have been, Out. I think it might have been before. No, she's really going out with him was the 70s. Yeah, I think it was late. His right. First record. But the Hang second on. one that you played to start the segment, I think, was the 80s. Jim Carr would be very, very proud of us. So would Scott Muni, and Carol Miller, and Richard and Dan Neer, and even Harris Allen who turned out to be the biggest douchebag ever. So if you're ready to go, give me some Joe Jackson. Is she really going out with him? Peter King coming up this hour. Thank you, Lewis.
<laughs> this is a good song, boys. An upbeat Christmas song. A couple of big Christmas parties tonight. I know Idala's got his, but the big one is here at WABC. Christmas 2023. Your chance to dance with Curtis Saliwa comes up later on tonight. Before I get to Peter King, you know, you played the uh, we played the Joe Jackson song. Is she really going out with him? And my phone started to blow up. I can't believe it. Including an American hero. Served this country proudly. Still does. Also represents hero Marine Daniel Penny, who's being bent over backwards by this atrocious Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, Thomas Kniff. He also was the guy that invited me and Danielle to Cipriani's that night. We hung out with Trump a couple of weeks ago. He says, Lou, the best songs are ones that evoke imagery. When you can listen to the lyrics and have the scenes playing in your mind. Stepping Out not only has perhaps the most memorable piano hook in pop music history, but you can close your eyes and see a steamy night in 1980s Manhattan when Joe Jackson croons the lyrics. Goes on to say the girl in the video was also a smoke show. Hopefully Emily's not listening. His wife. Um, but uh, he's right about all that, right? Sure. Joe Jackson just had to beat them off with many sticks. He's not even a good-looking guy. He's no, weird-looking, right? I'm joking. He's, yes. like, really tall and Very bald. Very gangly. Yeah, he, yeah. Looks like the night before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, almost really a little bit. Does. But the most talented musician. Right, he's Joe Jackson. It doesn't matter. Exactly. So when you yep. have talent... And money. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I don't. Know. I, I just, this one I wrote on the subway. Very good. My next guest is talent. I'm not sure about a lot of money, but he's got some, I'm sure. He uh, one of the two best politicians in New York in my lifetime. Him and Rudy, great congressman out of Long Island, Homeland Security, and now a dear, dear friend of the Rosenberg family, the great Pete King. Pete, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Good morning, buddy. Uh, same to you, Sid. Really appreciate it. How's everything going? Everything's going great. Ava's home, came home last yeah, night, so yeah. we are a foursome again. And you know when Aaron is home from North Carolina and Sean is there. And you guys are a foursome. You know how you got more than four. You've got grandchildren, but how great that is. So thank you for asking. But I have a very important question to ask you. Yes, Curtis Sleewa brought it up this morning. I keep getting texts from Margaret Powers. She's married, by the way, to Paul King, your friend in uh, Bell Harbor running against Gregory Meeks. He also loves that Joe Jackson song. And they keep asking me the same thing. Of all the people you guys could have picked, when I say you guys, I know you were part of that process with Joe Cairo. Right. Of all the people you could have picked to run against Swazi in that special election replacing George Santos, why did you pick a Democrat? Well, first of all, you say she's a Democrat, but she has run twice as Republican. She was elected as Republican. Well, let, let me stop. Let me stop you right away. I say she's a Democrat. I'm not saying anything. She's registered me, as a Democrat. Yeah. Right. 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 No, she is. In fact, to me, this shows the strength of the Republican Party. She ran as a Republican in 2021. It was the first time anyone was ever elected on the Republican line from that district in the history of the county legislature. She was reelected in 2023. She has voted 100 percent of the time with the Republicans. She caucuses with the Republicans. She campaigns for Republicans. She is, to me, this shows the strength of the Republican Party, that someone who had been a Democrat now identifies with Republicans. Whether she, you know, she switches parties or not, to me, that's almost irrelevant. The fact is that she has 100 percent Republican voting record as an elected official. She ran twice as Republican. She endorses Republicans. She's had no connection with the Democratic Party whatsoever, other than the fact when she came here as an immigrant, 
to almost that entire community where she lives. They registered as conservative Democrats, and they did it mainly to counter the liberals in the Democratic Party. But everything about her is Republican, and her, her qualifications are exceptional. You know, the fact that she had been in the Israeli army, that she was a refugee, the fact that she has been worked so hard in the community and has been such a strong supporter of the Republican Party. So to me, what's next to her name is almost irrelevant. I think it shows the strength of the Republican Party. Because for us to win, we have to bring back, uh, we have to bring Democrats over from their party, you know, into in the Republican Party. So to me, you look at her record, and it's 100% Republican. And again, ran twice as a Republican, and also with the endorsement of the Conservative Party, both times. So to me, it's really, not only is it a non-issue, to me, it shows the strength of the Republican Party. And the reason she was selected was she was by far the most uh, inspiring of the candidates, she made, uh, uh, most impressive and she has just a tremendous record and background. So, to me, she was the clear choice. Danielle just sent me a picture as you were talking about all this, and I want to get to what you just said because I agree with you, of a beautiful Christmas card that was just delivered to my house, signed by Donald, Melania, and Baron Trump, straight from um, Mar-a-Lago to uh, our address in Bell Harbor. So that's like the third different thing I've received from Trump's office in the mail the last couple of weeks, which I love. But getting back to what you said, I agree with yeah. all of that. And, and, you know, Dove Hikind, he went from a Democrat to a Republican. Tulsi Gabbard did the same thing. But the question is, and again, this is my ignorance speaking, Pete, I admit it. The question is, does she actually count as a Democrat? Do they get the seat or do we get the seat? Oh, we get to see she votes with the Republicans. Like, in, in, in Washington, she will definitely be a Republican. She will caucus with the Republicans. She'll be with the Republicans. Whether she changes her party registration really doesn't matter. She will be a Republican in, in Washington. Absolutely. Okay, okay, good. That's all I care about. So as long as she wins, that counts for us. Because you've got a very, yeah, very absolutely. slim margin. Absolutely. Okay, okay, great. Because I, I think it's even better. You know, I, I kind of used, I made it analogous to me and Bernie. You know, uh, one thing, when Trump came down the escalator, if you loved him from day one and still love him, that's easy. But one of the reasons why Trump, you know this, Peter, really likes me is I admitted I voted against him. Right. I thought he ran a more campaign, and he loves the fact, he loves the fact that he turned me in a different direction which is Hiken, Tulsi, Mazzi, all those folks. And actually, I think Donald Trump had been either an independent or a Democrat himself for a number of years. That's true, too. You know, you're exactly right. He really has been. So we're talking about Donald Trump. It's been the topic all morning long. Uh, obviously, the state of Colorado, what they did, unconstitutional, un-American. But they did it. Now the uh, the Trump lawyers will appeal it, bring it to the Supreme Court. But somehow or another, a state in our country... Peter King, in the United States, a state has decided that a man cannot run. They've taken the power away from the American voter and decided we don't like him, even though he's never been charged with insurrection, and we've decided he can't run. How despicable and un-American is that? Colorado should be ashamed of themselves. It is absolutely disgraceful. It really is. Uh, and I would say this no matter who it was, but certainly in this case, you're right. There's been no indictment on insurrection. There's been no conviction on insurrection. And, you know, they talk about the 14th Amendment. Well, the 14th Amendment also guarantees due process. And there's not a hint of due process. It's absolutely, it's a, uh, uh, just a, a power grasp by the Colorado court. All those judges were appointed by Democratic governors. And it's, it's me, it's, it's a terrible precedent to set. We're going to start taking away from the, you know, the American people 
you know, to, the right to elect their leaders and have judges sitting in a state decide who's going to be on the ballot and who's not on the ballot because they believe he was guilty of a crime that he was never indicted for or even convicted of. So it's absolutely, uh, to me, shameful. I uh, would hope the Supreme Court hears the case quickly, throws it out quickly, and just go on with the election let the American people decide. I know you heard Steve Bannon on this show earlier, and uh, he said it, and it's hard to argue, because all these things that were supposed to really hurt Trump, right, Pete, from, you know, from going back to his days as president with the impeachment nonsense and And uh, then, of course, he's been indicted here four times. He's got civil trials, and his numbers continue to go up. I mean, last week was another great week for Donald Trump. They kept talking about Nikki Haley's surge. No surge. She moved a couple of points ahead of Ron DeSantis in New Hampshire. That's it. She went up three points. Trump went up ten. So no matter what they do to this guy, what they're doing is making his trip back to Pennsylvania Avenue even easier. Do they not realize that, those dummies? Yeah, they don't. Again, this to me is classic of uh, you know shooting yourself in the foot. These people hate Trump so much; they're doing all they can to stop him, not realizing that everything they do just falls into the trap of Trump saying, "You know, these guys are about to get me. They're they're afraid to meet me head on. They're using all these you know swamp tactics to get me." So no, his numbers keep going up. The more they go after him with these ridiculous type charges, listen, there's things they can say legitimately if they want to about one candidate or another. But to deny the American people the right to vote for someone shows to me that you're petrified and you're scared stiff of the guy being elected. Here's uh, some Eric Adams news. I love doing the city stuff with you, too, Pete. That's what's great about you. You can do the national stuff, the city stuff. Heck, you can talk about sports, too. But I know you heard this. I'm going to play it again. Eric Adams, two days ago, Channel 11, uh, talking about the year in review, 2023. And only God knows why he included 9-11. But he did. If you missed it, Pete, which I know you didn't, it sounded like this. Lewis, cut number Mr. four. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? <laughs> so when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be? And tell me why. Uh, New York. Uh, this is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, this is a very, very complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. Now, we all know what he meant to say. He meant to say we've come back, which we haven't. That would be a lie, but that's fine. He can say it. We've come back 22 years later. Look at the people, their resilience. That's what he meant to say, but he didn't say it. So if I'm Eric Adams yesterday, right, and I'm pressed about it, I go, Listen, guys, give me a break. You know what I meant to say? I meant to say we're resilient and New York is back. But given the opportunity, Peter, he didn't do that. When pressed and asked why he would include 9-11 in that statement, here was Eric Adams' answer. I want your response. Cut number five. The sentence police that sit in front of the TV and say, let's wait to see Eric make one sentence that we can turn into a front page. Listen, you're going to find many of them because I'm authentic and I'm going to talk the way New Yorkers talk. Not me. And I think it's an insult as someone who served during 9-11, served during 9-11. I didn't read about it. I didn't hear about it. I lost very dear friends and colleagues. I've said it over and over again, the resiliency, the complexities of our city. 9-11 was a devastating time. I still remember getting calls of my loved ones and friends and colleagues that I lost. Those who take my comments in good faith are not going to try to turn them around and all of a sudden say, you are trying to desecrate the 9-11. Listen, 
Those who have those evil feelings in their heart is going to take it that way. People knew what I was saying. The city is complex. And much of the complexity, believe it or not, you guys don't even know about. Know about. You don't deal with what I deal with every day in this city all day. You you cannot you hold on, we don't we don't cut each other off. We we you cannot imagine how complex this city is every day that this team has to respond to. And so that is what I was saying. And those who those who understand, you know, the way I communicate, um, they know it wasn't being offensive. Those who don't, they're going to find a reason always. Um, 8.3 million people, 36 million opinions. So I like Eric Adams personally. I think he's a lousy mayor. I like him personally, but that's not the answer I was looking for. Get an opportunity, I think, to come out and say, hey, I meant to say this, and this is what I said. Instead, he came back with an angry response. Peter King's thoughts. Yeah, first of all, obviously he made a big mistake the way he said it the first time. Again, we all can make mistakes, but he had the chance to really rehabilitate that, to say, here's what I meant. I, you know, everyone should know how I feel, and my heart goes out to all those who died in 9-11, all the family uh, members of those. And I, I assure you, I will never make this mistake again. It was a mistake of the, you know, the heart, whatever. He had such an opportunity. Instead, he made himself a victim. He somehow made it sound <laughs> as if uh, everyone was ganging up on him. And it was, you know, it was really, a, it was just, he had a bad sense of timing there. And you wonder what's going on in his mind. He could have used that as a real opportunity. If he wants to bring New York back together again, that, you know, that's one way he could have been. Speaking of New York, let me just say, it was mentioned before, this is the 10th anniversary of those two cops who were killed in Memphis, uh, uh, and Ramos, and Wednesday and Lou. I remember going to those funerals. To me, those are days that you never forget. Mm. And that, to me, if you want to know the spirit of New York, and so you know, those cops who put their lives on the line every day for us. And I just wish Eric Adams somehow could have just brought that into the whole tapestry of New York, the fighting spirit coming back, not making himself you know, the victim. Like if I, let's say, for some reason, just mis- you know, mispronounced the names of those cops and you brought me up, I wouldn't be telling you what a victim I am. I right. said, oh, my God, there's poor cops and their families. So again, he's transferring sympathy for himself when it should be going toward others. Well said. And that was the perfect answer, Peter King, and you're right. It's the ninth anniversary, I believe, by the way, of uh, the uh, that animal from Baltimore coming here and assassinating those two cops. I had the chance, actually, Peter, to meet Mrs. Right, it's Lou. The ninth anniversary, you're right. Yeah, I met Mrs. It's Lou uh, a couple days ago with Paul DiGiacomo at the DEA Christmas party, and I had no idea what to say. Like, what do you say? I mean, you know, the guy was murdered. He was a cop. My God. In fact, I met a bunch of uh, husbands and fathers and wives of murdered officers that day at the DEA party, and it's always very difficult. I never know what to say, which is hard for me because I talk all the time. So on the way out here, Peter, Monday's Christmas, and you got New Year's, so this will be the last time you and I speak on the air, not off the air, but on the air, until 2024. What does the King family have planned for these beautiful holidays? Actually, uh, Rosemary and I are flying down to uh, North Carolina to be with my daughter, Erin, and her husband, John, my grandchildren, Jack and Katie May. So we're coming back early next week, and we're having Christmas, a, a second Christmas dinner with Sean here in New York. So, nice. Uh, no, it's a great time for family to get together, not to overdo it, just to really quietly enjoy you know, the spirit of the season. Thank God for the friends we have. Thank God for everyone's good, good health. And just you know, keep going forward. And, uh, again, most importantly, I think, to remind yourself of all the good friends you have out there. And you are certainly one of ours, you and Rosemary and uh, Aaron, of course, your daughter, Sean, your son, your beautiful grandchildren. You're just a terrific guy. You're an amazing politician. We miss you. We miss you in that role. But getting to know you personally over the last couple of years, as well as I do, I can tell you very few people I know, if any, 
better than you. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you and Rosemary. Have a safe trip to uh, Charlotte, and I'll talk to you in, uh, in a couple of weeks, my man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take Bye. care. The great Peter King right there. We'll take a short break. It is Tunnel to Towers Wednesday. I think Mike Water may hop on as well. Keep it right here, Sid, on a Wednesday. At the same time, miles away, a little boy made a wish that day that the world would be okay and Santa Claus would hear him say, I got dreams and I got love. I got my feet on the ground and family above. Can you send some happiness with my best to the rest of the people of the East and the West? And maybe every once in a while you give my grandma a reason to smile. Tis the season to smile. It's cold, but we'll be freezing in style. And let me In the morning, 77 WABC. The, uh, the theater is what beyond underneath now, long jacket. You know, I don't think you're a degenerate, Lewis. You know, you, that I, really, are you, I was going to ask if you were okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if fine. So I'm just trying to figure out the lyrics. I love this group. I love this song. Danielle loves this group. But what is it about a girl in a long jacket? Well, if you want to break down the song, <laughs> you yeah. can hear in some of the lyrics they're uh-huh. asking for reparations. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, thank you for clearing that you up. Missed yeah. it. You missed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Much for moonlit skies, never wink back at fireflies. 
But now that the stars are in your eyes, I'm beginning to see the light. And I never I love this one too, but it's nicely done. Let me get to uh, no more uh, Jimmy flipping one of these two guys. No. CNN is reporting that Israel is back at the table for hostage negotiations, and we had these discussions with Lizzie Savetsky yesterday and others. There's still 130-plus hostages. I think it's pie in the sky to believe that's the real number. I think a bunch of them are probably dead, but there's still got to be, I don't know, 70, 80, I don't know. And uh, Israel is back at the table. I did read something earlier today that said Israel, this is unbelievable to me, but I guess we want these hostages back. Well, of course we do. They're willing to um, stop the fighting for a week to get 40 hostages of the remaining that are still alive. I don't know if that's true or not. Noam, what are you hearing? You know, there's so much intense pressure on Benjamin Netanyahu from these hostage families who have enormous support across Israel that he has to answer to them in some way. And so they, until they have confirmation that these hostages are dead, they're assuming they're alive. And so they're going to, as you saw last week with that tragic moment in Gaza where the soldier shot at those three yeah. Israeli hostages, one of whom was waving a white flag. Killed them uh, all. Yeah, so they were surprised even those were alive. So what's to say that others are not still around today? So do you feel that Israel, because of this undue pressure, because he's also facing pressure from Jews around the world like me to wipe out Hamas and really destroy Gaza. I want Gaza destroyed. I don't want anything left. I don't care. Yeah, you know what? I think it all matters of how much damage they've done so far. And it seems like they've done an enormous amount. Yeah. Uh, they haven't for sure wiped out Hamas. There's still missiles coming in. So until that stops. Oh, wipe them out. I'm hearing there are still thousands and thousands of Hamas. Yeah, yeah. Thousands. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, as much as they've done, they just showed a picture of Rafa in Gaza, which looks like, you know, Sheepshead Bay's old football field. It's one big rubble. But, um,. According to what I've read and seen, they're not even halfway done killing these guys. No. So we don't know that for sure because they're not going to tell us all their secrets, obviously. But that internal pressure is they're having daily rallies in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, uh, the hostage families calling, and they've been very vocal. You see them everywhere. They travel all over the world. They're getting tons of media. They were down in Congress last week. They were at the U.N. And so, uh, you know, he has to answer to that on some level. Yeah. No, thank you very much. You are you're great as always. What uh, what month did you bring Jim Flippin in here? What month was that? Did we actually hire Flippin? Was that in 2023? Well, I can tell you exactly when I brought James in from the dead. Yeah, it was a February. Of By the way, year. I brought you in from the dead too. You son you of did. a bitch. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, February of <laughs> sorry about that. No. This year. <laughs> yeah, February what of this year? Okay, so yeah. uh, this was another. This is another thing to be thankful for. And we got uh, not one great, because Norm, you're the best in the business. We all know that. Even uh, Ben Mevrak knows that. But uh, Flippin is right there with you. He's, oh, yeah. he's not good. He's great. Yeah. I mean, I've made a lot of hires over my career. Yeah. And he's the best by far. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You're willing to say that? Yeah. Mm. Oh, no, no. No, he is great. Listen, I, I can see that. He, he's The two of you guys together are about the, the best one-two news punch in the business today. I mean that, so. Oh, it's, it's a big deal. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. All right. No, you got to go speak at the meeting. I, I do, yeah, yeah. All I'll right, see. we'll take a short break, too. We'll come back and wrap things up. Sitting friends in the morning on a Wednesday. See the light. I used to ramble through the park. 
shadow boxing in the dark. Then you came and caused the spark. That's a four-alarm fire now. I never made love by lantern shine. I never saw rainbows in my wine. But now that your lips are burning mine, I'm beginning to see the light. I never cared much for moonlit skies. I never winked back at fireflies. But now that the stars are in your eyes, I'm beginning to see the light. And I never went in for afterglow or candlelight on a mistletoe. But now when you turn the lamp down low, I'm beginning to see the light. You know I used to ramble through the park, shadow boxing in the dark. Then you came and lit that spark. That's a four-alarm fire now. I never made love by lantern shine. Never saw rainbows in my wine. Now that your lips are burning mine, I'm beginning to see the light. Is sit in friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Well, there on the sea, somewhere waiting for me. My lover stands on golden sand and watches the ships. Happy heavenly birthday today to the great Bobby Darren. Give me some more of this beyond the sea. If I could fly like birds on high, then straight to Bobby Darren, he died 50 years ago today. 50 years ago today, he was just 37 years old. We got Mac the Knife in here today. We got this one. Missed out on Splish Splash, but there's only, there's only so much we can do. I mean, it's four hours, Come not on. nine. We're just humans. God. Stop draining us. Leave me alone. Alone. Just stop hocking me. Wasn't that, uh, that was Summer's girlfriend. They called Steve her the, Summers? They called her the hocker. They're married now, him and Robin. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Always, always remember Scazzeri saying, the hawker's calling. Yeah, the hawker. That's <laughs> uh, funny. I keep looking at this picture of the uh, Trump Christmas card. Yeah, of course you are. Well, it's just, you know, when you go to the mailbox and you're used to getting bills, and there's nothing good in a mailbox, let's be honest. Not much anymore. Right. If your birthday, okay, fine. Or, And then you see something from Mar-a-Lago, which we, we, we've gotten a few things the last couple of months, and you open it up and it's... Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays from Donald, Melanie, M- Melanie, Melania, and uh, Baron Trump. It's uh, it's kind of cool. Now, I'm, of course, there's probably a million people who got that, but there's a lot more that didn't. So, well, I mean, most Christmas cards these days are even electronic. So, yeah. you you should just feel lucky you didn't get one of those with a great big picture of the family and the dogs looking at you. It's all you oh, ever yeah. see now I'm, I'm is the family. Well, I've got uh, assorted strangers in my refrigerator every year, <laughs> even even right now. No, I don't mean my neighbors. Like, for example, Billy and Jackie Felton, they've got three beautiful kids, and I see those uh, two little girls and little Nico every day. So 
them I know, but I can't tell you how many times I see pictures of my refrigerator, and I go to Danielle, I go, who's that? <laughs> and she's like, they're your nieces and nephews. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> right. Forget it. You'll just get worse. I'm not going to know anybody soon. Yeah. Those are mine. Set yourself up for that one right there. What's his yeah. name? Robert? Who was it? Talk about backing yourself into a corner. <laughs> yeah. When do we have to see them? What? Yeah. Uh, we're done. Uh, I will be going to the Nets and Knicks at the Barclays Center tonight. Thank you to Anthony Carone with Danielle, Ava, and Gabe. We have two more shows until we call it quits for 2023. Oh, look at this. Bye, bye, bye. Can't help but think of um, Potsy and um, Fonzie, <laughs> Ron Howard, and all those guys. You can see Donnie Most. Sit on it, mouth. You know what I'm saying? We're back again tomorrow for a big Thursday show. O'Reilly, Napolitano, Curtis Dershowitz, Mauler, a whole lot more. Until then. From all of us on Sit and Friends in the Morning, including Bobby Darren, to all of you, peace! Moving and a grooving, rocking and a rolling, yeah, yeah! This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.